0: hello and welcome to PFF fantasy football podcast I'm your host Ian Harditz, and happy week 11 everyone we got 15 count on 15 games to break down and as always to accomplish this task I am joined by none other than PFF senior analyst Dwayne the Rock McFarland who's award-winning critic winning everyone loves it utilization report you can find at pff.com I was, I was starting off on the right track there Dwayne, and you know i lost it halfway through award, but...
1: award winning and also has a lot of critics yes
0: <laughs> i was like i'm not sure what awards but hey man like you just that's all you got to say my apartment complex out front there's a sign that just says we're number one it doesn't specify what magazine said <laughs> that it doesn't specify what they're number one in but hey you throw it out there man people are going to believe it
1: I like it. I like it. I'll roll with it. Yeah, man. I'm excited for the week. I can't, dude, I cannot believe like we're in week 11, like really two weeks probably left for most people listening, like to figure out how they're getting their team into the playoffs
0: or solidifying their playoff team that they already have. So yeah, man, let's jump in grind time. Great day. To be great, as always, we'll start things off with Thursday night football. Patriots at the Falcons. New England sitting has a seven-point favorite now opened at one and a half. We saw some really big jumps this week from the opening line to where things are settling right now. Something to keep an eye on as the week continues to progress. Game total sitting at 47 and a half. We need to keep an eye on this backfield. As always, Dwayne and I do a waiver Wire podcast that you can find as the Tuesday uh, edition each and every week. We really broke down what Ramondre Stevenson was bringing uh, this week. But that was pretty much under the assumption that Damian Harris, who started out the week with the DMP, wasn't going to be suiting up. He was out there in a limited capacity on Tuesday. So it does appear that Damian is progressing through the concussion protocol and I mean if we learned anything last week it's that the Patriots don't mind putting these guys out there even after clearing their concussion protocol if they haven't been practicing so Stevenson yeah if Harris is out of the picture we can treat him as a top 20 maybe even top 15 running back with the added uh, upside we get from the passing game that he has and Damon Harris really doesn't but Dwayne I mean if Harris is going to be back in the picture like I don't think he lost his job based on one down week where he was concussed against the freaking Jets so at that point I probably would be back to ranking Harris higher. Now, when you have Harris and Stevenson there, they are going to eat into each other's workload a little bit. It's not as big of a slam dunk than usual, but hey, Damon Harris, low-end RB2 of Stevenson. I mean, if he's able to suit up. Stevenson, more of a mid-tier RB2 if Harris is going to be sideline. I would really try to avoid starting Stevenson if Harris is going to be active. I think you'll probably flirt with 10 to 12 carries and targets, not the end of the world, but we are not kidding. Those 25 combined opportunities that we saw last week only other major notes with the Patriots uh, Hunter Henry again gets a boost in the low end tight end one territory if John Smith is going to remain sidelined with that shoulder injury we can live with you know we I should say this we can't live with two tight end rotations in fantasy football lane. when you take one of those guys away opens up a lot of room for the remaining player uh, final note is with these wide receivers really only Jacoby Myers and it's not even more so about his like target share, which it is the best on the Patriots and everything. But more so, I think this matchup, we do have the Falcons sitting as a bottom 10 defense and fantasy points per game to the position. Only the Browns and the Lions have actually allowed higher QB ratings to targets aligned out of the slot. Uh, Just, you know, more of a storyline here, Dwayne, but we know we saw Jacoby break that touchdown streak and everything, and it kind of reminded me, and these are not the same player, please don't, you know, confuse me comparing Jacoby Myers to Julio Jones, but Julio had that real long scoreless stretch a couple years ago, and then he scores against Washington, and then all of a sudden it was six, seven straight games where he kept ripping off touchdowns, so just saying, just because Jacoby scored once doesn't mean he's going to go back to never scoring uh, again for the next three years. Don't be surprised if we see you know back-to-back boom weeks for uh, Jacoby Myers because as great as AJ Terrell is only Jalen Ramsey graded higher this year he sticks to his spot at left cornerback so when we have someone like Myers working mostly out of the middle of the field I think he does warrant you know arguably upside wide receiver three treatment in this in this spot so feeling good about Jacoby Hunter Henry, if John, who's out, keep an eye on those running backs. But if Damon Harris is in, low end RB2 if he's out, feeling especially confident about Ramondre Stevenson. Dwayne, a lot of injuries in this game just to worry about, man, which is unfortunate right. starting the week. But maybe, just maybe, our king, Cordero Patterson, could be playing through this high ankle sprain. He was limited during Tuesday's practice.
1: Yeah. Patterson doesn't want to give up the season again. <laughs> he's like, this is my time. I love I'm it. I'm going to be out here like, Put a shot in it like lizards rock. Um, you know, in all seriousness, though, like with Patterson, you know, and I'll be interested to get your take here. Like these high ankle sprains, man, I, I pretty much steer clear of them. You know, I know it's mild, but trying to come back one game in historically, like that hasn't been a recipe for success. It usually equals, you know, limited carries or a potential tweak in the game. You know, I'm not a doctor, you know, I'm not a physical therapist. So, like, I'm not the expert, but just reading what everybody else has put out there. And we have a lot of really good people in the space. Um, so man, it's amazing how much that part of our industry has grown in, in the yeah. last five years, like there's so much good stuff going on there. So when I look at Patterson, you know, it's going to be hard for me to, even if he plays like he won't be in my top 24 backs, you know, so I'll put him in my, you know, RB3s, right? Basically, you know, once you start to get into some of the other backs where it could be hit or miss anyway, well then it's like, okay, fine, I'll go with Corderell Patterson. You know, but we have some names that we'll be getting back this week, potentially, like Clyde Edwards Alaire, some other folks. So we'll have to we'll have to kind of look at it and see what it looks like as we get closer to Thursday. But for now, I really want to kind of try to still steer clear of Corderell Patterson if I can. Obviously, if it's something where you don't have another option, you know, you'll be happy that he's playing and you'll just hope like in a PPR, maybe you get 10, 15 points. Out of him, um, but just don't expect him to be the same. Matt Ryan is kind of turned into like this, uh, you know, boom bust quarterback every week, Ian. But I think it's just really hard to boom if you're going to have Patterson potentially not able to line up out wide and do the normal things he's been doing. And really, we already know Calvin Ridley, you know, is out right now taking care of himself. So that just doesn't leave a lot of options for Matt Ryan. I'd kind of gotten a little bit excited about him, you know, a few weeks ago, just because they were going more vertical down the field. They seem to be getting into a groove in Arthur Smith's offense, and then you see these two. You know, actually, these last three weeks are like the perfect example of what you're getting with Matt Ryan lately. You went from quarterback 31 to quarterback 3 to last week, quarterback 33. So it's just not something that you can really count on at this point. So I really want to try to keep uh, Matt Ryan away from my lineups. Plus, we know they're playing the Patriots. Bill Belichick does a really good job of figuring out what is the one thing that you have and what should I take away? I think in this case, we all know, Ian, what's that one thing in his name is Kyle Pitts. And Kyle Pitts is an absolute freak. We love him, but... The Patriots are very good. They're very notorious for if there's one thing you do well that they have to take away, they will. And and here, let's be honest, like Kyle Pitts, He's been getting all the volume we want. Utilization is elite. Like utilization, really can't get much better than what you're getting with Kyle Pitts, other than the fact that he has to work outside against quarterbacks, against the top safeties, sees the bracket coverage. Um, when he gets singles, Matt Ryan goes to him. Like if he gets single co- coverage, Matt Ryan is going to him pretty much like every time. So he's winning those matchups. He's just not getting as much of that, Ian. he's not getting all the single coverage. The other thing that annoys me about Matt Ryan, you know, and honestly this offense a little bit is like don't throw him so many contested catches like this guy can get open and run after the catch, like work him inside, get him in there against slot corners, get him in there against the linebackers and safeties. They're just not doing that enough. Now, maybe Ian, maybe we will get a little bit more of that this week because we did have Hayden Hurst knocked out of the game last week. So if Hurst isn't available, it could just out of necessity, they may move him inside more a little bit than what we've seen, you know, for the past few weeks. So Pitts will be in my top five you know, this week, I haven't completely settled on where I'm going to put him. I'll be honest, it's hard to keep him out of the top three every week. I know over the last few weeks, you know, he hasn't really performed super well in box scores. I think we had a PPR finish of 10 of ten last week. He's a 5 on the season, but the two weeks before, an 18 and a 35. But, man, the targets per route run last week, and I think it'll be the same thing this week, Ian. It's a 33% of the time he was in a target. In a route, he had a target. 28% target share last week. 28% of the team's air yards. Uh, and 57% of his, you know, passes did come on play action. I do like that. I don't know how much respect, you know, really the Falcons run, run game is going to get. But we know that linebackers are trained, you know, in. doesn't really matter who the running back is. If there is a play action pass and they have a lane that they're supposed to fit, then that's their job. They have to take that step. They have to take that jab step or they have to make – look. you know what? I should let the linebacker explain this to folks, like how it works whenever you see play action pass. I'm sure hard as you just went nuts and started making all sorts of racket and, like, just blitzed the quarterback, you know, and just took them down. But – but, um, you know, so Kyle Pitts is really the only option, you know, that you can use from, you know, the, the Falcons this week. I know we talked about Gallman. We talked about Davis yesterday. If Patterson is inactive, I'm still not excited about these guys, Ian. But I do expect Mike Davis to probably lead in snaps, lead in the passing game. And then I would expect Wayne Gallman to probably get more of the work on the ground. So I expect a committee
0: between the two backs. When you're taught linebacker from grade school, like you're always first step up and then you react to the past. That's why throughout my entire baseball and now softball career. I'm a complete liability in the outfield (laughs) outfield. when it's supposed to be the opposite. So, yeah, man. I mean, you got to protect that A-gap, you know, defend the run. So, you just react to the pass. And that's why we see play action, even if you don't have a good running game, still be superior than just straight dropbacks. So, I love the point about maybe Pitts getting more pure tight end usage with Hayden Hurst uh, potentially out of the scenario because that has been where Pitts has thrived this year. His only touchdown of the year was when the Jets guarded him with a defense defensive lineman near the goal line and just on a per route basis. I mean, he's averaging 3.04 yards per route run against safeties and linebackers. That's 11th among a That's sample great. with like 140 players. He drops to 87th though, when he's going up against cornerbacks. So th- look, he just turned 21, like 40 days ago. Like he'll figure this out. The fact he's already been as good as he is. I mean, I think he's more than lived up to the hype, but no, he's not a perfectly polished player yet. Let's try to get him involved more so with what he is doing best. Agree with you on CPAT with the potential for a limited workload. Just a little too much to ask him on a short week of all things to come back from this high ankle spring.
1: I just want to say real quick on New England. If Damian Harris is active, I expect him to be full go. And I have him right now at 18 in my rankings just based on the news today. It's like sounds like he's probably going to play. And I agree with you. You can't play Stevenson, but it's a really nice matchup this week. Um, for Harris, you guys saw what the Cowboys did on the ground last week against the Falcons, so it's a, it's a it's a nice spot. Like I think he's definitely in the mid-range RB two you know, conversation. And I would actually say if for some reason he isn't active, Stevenson will probably be more of a high end RB2. I know we need to say I'm with the low end RB2, Ian, <laughs> but I'm going mid and high RB2 on those two guys this week, you know, depending on, you know, what their statuses are.
0: They will throw Stevenson the ball, not so much with Harris. So that's why we get the right. difference between those guys. Yeah. All right. Ravens at the Bears starting off our Sunday slate. Baltimore sitting at six and a half point favorites open at three and a half. Obviously bears coming off a bye. game total sitting at 45 and a half. Le'Veon Bell got released, seemingly indicating that Latavius Murray is on his way back sooner rather than later. We'll see. Not confirmed by any stretch, but he has now missed quite a bit of time. With that ankle injury, I would be a little bit surprised if he's not back this week. If not, though, Devontae Freeman at this point has earned borderline RB2 treatment. We could even see his role expand further with Le'Veon Bell out of the picture because Tyson Williams just has been a complete non-factor over the past few weeks, and we saw his backfield Condensed to just Freeman and Bell, so I would think that Tyson comes in and takes most of the you know handful of carries and targets that Le'Veon was seeing. But Freeman not washed, Dwayne. He's actually tenth among 74 backs in PFF rushing grade this year, tenth in yards per carry, tied for eighth in missed tackles force per carry, and just from watching the games, like I think it's fair. He's not his usual 2016, 2017 self. Probably never will be again. But credit to Devonte Freeman, proving that he still got a little bit of gas left in the tank. And if the Ravens are going to feed him 15 combined carries and targets, I do think he's going to warrant something, you know, in that RB 25 to 28 range, I would guess. So maybe more so like a higher end RB three than a borderline RB two. But it was a couple weeks ago where we could not use anybody in this backfield. I'm cautiously optimistic if Murray stays out, that Freeman uh, can be that guy, pal Murray's back. Probably just try to wait a week on this because without Bell, we could see Tyson get back involved. And when we have a three back committee in this offense, that's still going overwhelmingly through Lamar. That's when problems happen, but. The Big storyline from that Thursday night game last week. I you look, I have Lamar all over the place. It was very disappointing. You know, we wanted a lot more points coming from both offenses in that one. But if you watched it, you just saw Lamar in this passing game get overwhelmed time and time again by Miami running Cover Zero, and they actually did so on 19 of Lamar's dropbacks. He has now faced more Cover Zero than any other quarterback in the league, and so far, Dwayne, I see why Miami did it. He is not playing very well against it. PFF passing grades 20th among 30 qualified quarterbacks against. Covered zero he's 19th in yards per attempt 28th in QB rating so really Dwayne for me it's one of these things where we can't quite predict what Chicago is going to do are they going to say hey this is what has been stopping Lamar we're going to change our defense to really counteract uh, what has been working against the Ravens or are they going to pull a Raiders against the Chiefs and be like nope we run what we run worry about the offense later and we're gonna give up uh, you know five touchdowns to Patrick Mahomes and not run the exact defense that's been giving him problems over the past few weeks so I think it'll probably be somewhere in the middle I don't think Lamar and company are gonna get shut down like that again but it is something to keep an eye on because once they can defeat the cover zero I think defense is gonna be back into this okay how the hell do we stop this group because with Hollywood with Bateman with Andrews we got more receivers and even Duvernay man he's been making plays as well we got pass game options all over the place it's just a matter of the Ravens trying to solve this one little uh you know wrinkle that has been giving them a lot of fits so obviously we're starting Lamar everywhere I think Hollywood even if we need to maybe bump him down a little bit more into that wide receiver two territory after Florian wide receiver one he should still be started almost everywhere Bateman I would say a little bit more of an upside wide receiver three with Watkins unfortunately taking a good amount of his snaps and a couple targets hopefully they keep flowing obviously we love Mark Andrews. So Dwayne, any thoughts on the Ravens? Otherwise, let's just talk about Justin Fields who don't look now, he's been playing some pretty damn good ball over the past few weeks.
1: Yeah. With Fields, I mean, we've just gotten into a situation where they're, they're finally, you know, Ian just really letting him like, you know, use his attributes, right. That help him win. What's, what's made Justin, yes, Justin Fields successful. We're finally seeing the Bears coaching staff allow him to utilize those tools. So if you look at the last two games, using a lot more play action, getting in more design, you know, design rushing attempts. He's had uh, 7% and 14% scrambles, 21%, 14%. Sacks are still high. That's worrisome. Um, 10%, 8% sack rate over the last two games. That's well above the league averages. You want to be like around, you know, a six is kind of, Kind of bad like a, a really good is like a five or a four like you talk about the quick release quarterback so um you know so what we need to see from fields though in addition to the rushing ian to really kind of like unlock more of the upside and i do think the receivers are good enough to do this Um, is whenever he's buying that time and maneuvering around the pocket to also still be able to hit that big play down the field. Like what we see with, you know, Lamar Jackson and Hollywood Brown, right? You could have that with Darnell Mooney. Not saying Mooney's as good as Brown, but Mooney's been surprising. Like, he's beating single-man coverage. You know, he's getting open. You know, his – His uh, targets per route runner, actually, they lead the team, right? They're actually ahead of Allen Robinson. And both guys have actually been doing an okay job of, you know, not great getting open, but open enough. Like, I think they do have enough weapons. You have Cole Komet actually starting to come on a little bit over the last few weeks as well. They're getting him more and more involved into the offense. So, yeah, Justin Fields for me this week, he was actually the one that I was struggling. One of my players I was struggling to rank the most You know, um, I'm still early in my process, but as far as like where exactly I think he should land, I've got him in my third tier. My third tier's got six guys in it right now, though, and so it's like I really want to get him up closer, low. You know, to like that high end QB two. Right now, I have Tannehill at 12, just because he's been balling out and he's got a great matchup against the Texans. But after that, you got Derek Carr, you got Kirk Cousins, you got you know. Uh, Matt Ryan. So it's like, I'm for sure going to put him over Ryan. Cousins' matchup is kind of tough this week against Green Bay. But it doesn't concern me much because, you know, Cousins has great receivers. So you don't worry about it that much. Honestly, maybe Carr, Carr at this
0: point until we see him prove he can get it going without the field stretcher.
1: Yeah, and with Carr, though, I just like the matchup, and I like the potential. I know the implied points are 24.25, and the, the total is 49.5 in that game, and I, we'll get to that in a minute, but I just feel like there is a potential for some shootout there with Cincinnati. But, yeah, he's somewhere in there. So I'm I, he'll either be 13 or 14 probably in my ranks this week for fields, and honestly, I would have had him higher, but he's just playing against the Ravens, so from a quarterback strength of schedule standpoint, you know he's going to have a bottom five uh, matchup this week. Offensive line pass blocking advantage probably going to be bottom seven seven or eight. So he's still, again, going to be in a matchup where he's going to have to do more of it on his own. Now, I do want to say, like, this is not the Ravens defense that we've become used to over the course, you know, of the past three or four years. So while, yeah, it is a tough matchup, it's not like one of these matchups that you just like scream and run for the hills. So I feel okay about Fields. I like the way that they're using him. I feel better about the weapons than I have in a while. I don't necessarily want to use any of his passing weapons this week, Ian. I just really want to trust in him. Like you'll see in my ranks, you know, I'm going to have Mooney. I'll have, you know, Robinson. They're all going to be in wide receiver four territory. Wide receiver four, wide receiver five. They won't be up into my top 36 receivers. Um, Cole Komet, though, could get sneaky like because he is seeing enough utilization and if you look at his you know last several games you know he's seeing five six targets every single week Um, he's nice in the seam you know it does seem to be the guy that when Fields does step up and he feels the pressure outside and he manages to step up instead of outside in the pocket like he seems to be hitting these seams right and can we just And if you need to make, I know you've got a contractual obligation to any time we talk about Jimmy Graham, there's something you need to say, but can we just get some of those to Cole Komet? Like I love Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham was like my, Jimmy Graham was my first draft pick on my first dynasty team that I played on. Like, so I love Jimmy Graham, but like, come on, let's get Cole Komet. Some of these looks inside the 10, like just watching Jimmy do it. I know he's still capable, but I think Komet can do a lot of the same things. So with Komet this week, You know, I've got him in my tier four. The matchup is pretty solid, though, actually, against the Ravens linebackers. They've had some struggles with the young linebacker core um, and some, some issues with the safeties, too. So he'll probably be just outside my top 12. So he's a potential streaming option this week as well. And then really the main thing to talk about, you know, in this game, you know, Ian, is the return of David Montgomery. We didn't get to spend a lot of time on it because we were really going into a bye week, you know, with the Bears. But, wow, coming back. You know, to 85% of the snaps, 62% of the rushing attempts, 68% of the routes, 7% of the targets, 100% of short down and distance, 100% of the work inside the five, 100% of the long down and distance, and 94% of the two-minute offense. That is what you call an MF in every down back, Ian. He's back. (laughs) So He's back. (laughs) He's back. So we were a little worried, right? Because Khalil Herbert really has looked good. now. Now, Damian Williams has still been injured. Damian Williams like is the toughest guy to track down like in a box score because <laughs> you're always like, why is he so low? And I swear, you, we always get some sort of a note. No, he, him and Daryl Henderson are the two. Well, he got nicked up and he was out for these three series. And sure enough, you go back and you're like, oh, yeah, he was gone and then he was back. I know the last game he got knocked out early, uh, the last game before David Montgomery. Um, so we'll keep an eye on it. I know they do have a specific role they want, you know, him in, but let's even if we go back to the beginning of the year, Ian, he was really a non-factor. It was still really more all about David Montgomery. So for Montgomery this week, you know, he'll be in my top 18. Again, I haven't settled on where he's at. I was just looking at, you know, our actual projections on the site. I don't see I not see him right now. So he's definitely going to be higher than 0. So we'll talk with Kevin about that. But yeah, so he'll be in my top 18. I'm looking at my top 18 right now cuz I do have those ranks. So I've got Barkley at 16. Um, I've got James Robinson at 15, got Miles Gaskin at 17. He's probably he probably fits like somewhere in there like around James Conner. I'll probably put him ahead of Joe Mixon, like to be honest. So he'll probably
0: some, be somewhere between like eighteen and fifteen in my ranks this week. But he's a guy that we can completely fire up. You said you took Jimmy Graham in your first ever dynasty. Like, how'd that end? Did he still is he still on the squad, or did you like have to trade him away? No, because...
1: my my team name is still the same. It's Graham, my Graham. But uh wow, yeah, so
0: I, you like the Bears also gave Jimmy Graham a no trade clause.
1: I no, he's not on the team. It's just, <laughs> oh. he's, he's only there in namesake. Ian, you know wow. he he's long left. He long ago left the squad. Um Although my tight ends are pretty bad right now in that dynasty format. Maybe Jimmy Graham could start for me. I've got Evan Ingram. No, I've got Dawson Knox, so I just got him back. But, okay. yeah, it's – uh, it's yeah. Man, that's a long time ago now. Like, it's weird when you think about, like, your, your old leagues. And you're like, oh, man, like, that was probably, like – 10 or 12 years ago. When I,
0: I actually only had my first Dynasty League start three or four years ago. I was a little bit late to the game. And uh, yeah, felt really good about getting, um, you know, my tight end position solved early. Scooped up OJ Howard and um, yeah, zero championships later. We are trying to solve that problem packers at the vikings green bay open at minus one There, up to two and a half point favorites game total is up to 49 and a half after opening at 48 good luck covering devontae adams minnesota this year they did not have a single player ranked inside of pff's top 50 highest graded cornerbacks in coverage grade cameron is 55th patrick peterson still in ir 60 or 58th then we get Pasha breeland and mackenzie alexander coming in at 107 and 122 not great i understand we we saw a pretty awful version of Rodgers coming off the COVID list. Didn't get to practice at all. I do think we'll at least get back to seeing Devontae do what he does best, and that is terrorize Mike Zimmer in this Viking secondary. So, continue to fire up Devonte. Consensus top three, if not top one receiver in Fantasyland, but the main man, A.J. Dillon. We told you on the waiver pod, blow every bit of fab you need to. If you need to do personal favors for your friends in order to get A.J. Dillon on your squad, consider that. Mow the lawn, you know, do whatever. whatever. Whatever you need to do to get this guy in your squad. Because, Dwayne, the more I was looking at him today, like, He's been incredible so far in his his opportunities. Second highest graded rusher dating back to last season with at least 100 carries behind. Only the guy who he kind of looks like sometimes, Derek freaking Henry himself. So at least in terms of just bowling balls in the league that people should want to tackle the least, I do think Dylan is somehow already on that shortlist. This year, only James Robinson has had a higher percentage of his carries get at least two yards after contact. So he's consistently getting a man, and that's the thing. I think sometimes these yards after contact contact numbers can be skewed you know guy breaks a tackle at the line of scrimmage runs for a 70 yard touchdown and he gets 70 yards after contact the fact that dylan does it time and time again at a level of james robinson tells you all you need to know about the guy so as we went over kylan hill not in the picture something that i've just always been aware of and because of that we got dylan just really set up to see the sort of three down roll that we've always hoped you know aaron jones could have funny how this continues to happen with all of our backup running backs vikings one of just Three defenses allowing a positive EPA per run play this season. Fire up Dylan. Fire up Adams. All the confidence in the world. Rogers is really the only one, I guess, you can't feel too good about, at least among the core starters. Not that the Vikings, I think, will shut him down or anything like that. We know he's always got that 300-yard, three-touchdown potential, but just based on, you know, general, generally hasn't had a ton of overwhelming success with the complementary weapons. And we have seen Rodgers look a bit more like the guy we saw in 2018, 2019 compared to 2020. So, Dwayne, interesting to see where you have Rodgers in the quarterback ranks because I don't think we need to squeeze him in the top 12 necessarily. Not saying that teams should be feeling bad about starting him, but top 12, I mean, top 15, I wouldn't be against it.
1: Yeah, I mean, and the way I look at Rodgers, you know, and I categorize him this way, like in the utilization report, when I do my updates on rest of the season ranks, you know, he's really kind of a boom-bust, low-end QB1. Like in the right situation where the game script goes right and they really need it, you know, Rodgers can... He can be fine. He can be a top three quarterback that week, but then there's weeks where they can just completely let their foot off the gas and they don't need to, and they don't. And then there's also the situation where, look, let's let's face it, like they don't, they don't have. It's not like there's a. You know, plentiful weapons here, like right. there's 20 things defenses have to worry about when you really face good squads that can take away Adams and or at least do some things to force you, you know, to get creative with what you're doing with Adams, then that can be a problem like for the Packers as good as he and Devonte Adams are. So I've got him at 10 this week, but I mean, he's it's I agree. You don't have to squeeze him in there like I've got Russell Wilson after him and then I got Tannehill right after that. Then you get in like your Justin Fields, you know, Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins types. Yeah, I still still want to play him over over, Cousins and Carr, right? You know, you could make an argument for Tannehill because Tannehill is actually kind of doing the same thing that Rogers is, right? He's kind of having to try to make something out of not having a lot around him. He's really got one really good passing weapon and they're trying to have to do it all through play action and different things like that.
0: All right, now before we turn it over to you for the Vikings, Dwayne, I just want to give a quick shout-out friend of the podcast, Rich Rebar over at Sharp Football Analysis, always doing great work. Saw this tweet before the show, though. Dalvin Cook has been tackled at the one-yard line a league high five times and then did not score a touchdown afterwards. Dwayne, the utilization for Dalvin continues to look great, but can we get this guy to work as the number two running back that everyone drafted him to be? Is this finally the Dalvin Cook true, true, true blow-up week? Well,
1: look, it's coming. Like we, I know we, we want to say it is the true, true, true. Like, but it does eventually, you know, it's got to eventually, it's like a triple rainbow all the way, man. (laughs) You know, sometimes these things are weird, but with Cook, you know, it's just like the Darren Waller questions we get, right? Oh my God, what's up with Darren Waller? You're like, look, you can't ask for better than what Darren Waller is getting. It's just teams are trying to take him away. But like, well, who else are going to play over Darren Waller? There's not very many names, right? Same thing with Dalvin Cook. Like you're going to get him out there. This week he's got, you know, an average matchup, I would say, and really Cook's one of those players you don't care. Like, the matchup doesn't change things a lot for him. It changes him by two or three spots. Like, Chris McCaffrey's got a tough matchup this week. We don't care. Like, he's still <laughs> going to be in our top three running backs no matter what. And so Dalvin Cook really still, you know, if you look at his utilization, you know, like, that's the conversation he belongs in. He's still in that. And to your point, like, that shows you right there, that stat you just gave, you know, five tackles inside the one and not, being, not getting to score, right, on the next carries. Like, those are just weird random things and the way the play calling worked out like you give three of those to Dalvin how much does that boost up right where he's sitting today and he's a player that we know we've already missed is it three games we've missed from Dalvin this season Ian two or I know two at least maybe three um, games where we've been without Dalvin Cook at least three if you count the games where he's had to leave early right so and we've seen Alexander Madison come in and do really well So, yeah, with Cook, I've got him number four this week in my rankings. If you look at his utilization, the thing that is down for him, Ian, you know, versus what we saw last last year is is really it's his target share. You know, we've seen him in that 12, 13% target range. This year, he's only at 8% of the targets. So, really, the utilization of kind of Tyler Conklin, you know, and then this KJ Osborne role that they didn't really have last year, feeding, and not that those guys are getting fed a ton, but it's just enough that really last year, it was Jefferson, it was Thielen, right? And then it was Dalvin Cook. And that's really, that was the order that we were talking about. So, what in the world is going on? You see the Carry On
0: Johnson news? Packers no, I am just like laughing
1: out. because something's going on with my earbuds. My Apple's music just started randomly playing something in my ear, and I'm like, what the hell is going on? Right. Anyway, no. <laughs> So, why did something happen with on Johnson? Is he singing in my ear? I was just kidding. He's getting a workout with the Packers. <laughs> I didn't think that was enough. you like, to completely, Dwayne, stop the show. Yeah. Kerrion Johnson, go. <laughs> Sorry. Good save, Ian. Good save. Good save. So, anyway, yeah. I'm Cook. It's just really around the target shares. Um, you know, I was going to keep trying to push through, and it kept playing. So, anyway, we're good to go now. Um, as far as uh, Kirk Cousins, man, like, looking at it, like, this guy, Uh, So here are his finishes on the season, 14, 6, 5, 28, 21, but then a 2, a 21, and then a 6, and a 6. So it's like Kirk Cousins, if we look at him, we've got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 finishes in this season inside the top six as a fantasy quarterback. So he's really a hard player to to fade, and again, it's like... He has a tougher matchup this week, but it doesn't scare me. Packers don't really scare me, even though it does show up as being, you know, one of the harder matchups on the slate. So I'm fine with Cousins as a high-end QB2. You want to call him a low-end QB1, I would not argue with you. You just heard, you know, the finishes that I gave you. There is a chance that this game shoots out, right, between these two divisional opponents. So that's always a positive. I don't think folks need me to really say anything about Justin Jefferson or Adam Thielen unless you guys – unless you're something you want to know, Ian, because, like (laughs) – You start them like there's just two players that you start every week. You know, Justin Jefferson's a top 12 uh, receiver for me. Um, Thielen is in my top 24. They've both been in those spots all season long. Uh, I think there was one period where Thielen may have creeped down into the high end wide receiver three territory for me. But you just start them both every week.
0: Yeah. Shout out to Kirk Cousins, one of only 10 quarterbacks averaging at least 20 fantasy points per game this year. We said all offseason, Dwayne, draft Kirk Cousins. You know, we won't talk about the whole rationale, the whole reason why, you know. Trey Lance, Justin Fields. Who cares about those guys? We got Kirk Cousins. We got that top 10 quarterback. Gotta feel good about him holding down the squad. But man, Trey Lance, if you could ever get that job before his end of the season stretch, would be a lot cooler if you did. So Colts at the Bills. Buffalo opened up four and a half point favorite, now up to seven and a half. Game total at 50, down from 51 and a half. This Bills defense, you can talk about them not having played the toughest of schedules, but we're also in week 11. They can't control that, and they have been incredible. Number one in just about everything. Yards per attempt allowed, explosive pass play rate, quick pressure rate, fantasy points per game allowed the quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers. The Bills are number one in all three of those. So really, it's a bad matchup for every single position group in this game, and I could see a situation where Wentz and company just kind of melt down in this spot. The defense has been that good, and if you face a Josh Allen that is going to have his head out of his ass and playing the best football that he's capable of, you know there's just not many teams in the NFL I think that can really hang with this squad so Jonathan Taylor we're starting him even if there's a fire no doubt about it and honestly Dwayne us as a community might need to take a step back about like even complaining about the usage. Like, what more do we want here? We got 84% snaps last week, 21 carries, and seven targets. Marlon Mack has played five snaps since week seven. Even the targets on the season, Jonathan Taylor is at 35, Naeem Hines is at 39. Weeks one through five, one through six, okay, we could bitch and moan, and we had that one, um, I forget who they were playing, but when Naeem Hines was out there getting the carries in the it's final three. It's just the way
1: minutes, it happens, Ian. It's, you know, it's, it gets in our head. Right. It's like, oh, 93 yards at the end of the first quarter. He's going to have an awesome day. No, 117. It's just the way that it plays out, I think, is what gets people so tilted. (laughs) You know, to your point, if you look at the raw utilization, it's not bad. Like It's 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 great. It's not not the best, but it's just below the best of what you can expect.
0: It's... And yeah, if it's, it's not Derrick Henry, it's not McCaffrey, and maybe it should be because yeah, it's just Taylor's that been that, that good, but yeah. it's So, just maybe chill a little bit, people. He's still the RB2 in PPR points per game, and you are absolutely loving it. So, even though we got this good Bills run, D, who cares? We are starting Jonathan Taylor with confidence, per usual, and I'll be interested to see if Michael Pittman can overcome uh, this matchup. It really hasn't been on him because he's been having you know these kind of up-and-down weeks um, in the most recent history. Once people kind of started to get comfortable starting him every single week. He starts having some of these duds. It's just been with the targets like three of his last four games. He's caught four or four targets, five of six targets, five or five targets week before that two of three targets, six of seven targets. He's catching almost everything thrown his way, or he's drawing a pass interference penalty. We're just not getting these sort of game scripts where Carson Wentz really needs to air it out. So maybe this is the week. They're playing from behind. We know T.Y. Hilton's out there, but again, I don't think that's necessarily getting in the way of Pittman. I just think it's been them beating up on the Jets, you know, leading the entire game against the Jaguars, beating up on the 49ers, beating up on the Texans. The only game that we really saw them need to throw the ball to Pittman was that back and forth Titans game, and he finished for 15 targets so sneaky spot for Pittman to potentially break out and have a great game even though the matchup isn't the best so Stravius white is fantastic but we have not seen him shadow all season long and track a specific wide receiver don't think he'll be doing that uh on sunday and if bills just treat Pittman like a normal guy in single coverage could be a could be a problem this year he's caught 23 of 34 targets in man coverage 347 yards and five touchdowns pffs 12th highest-grade receiver against single-coverage looks. So something to keep an eye on there. I'm, again, starting Jonathan Taylor with confidence. And Pittman, I think I probably will be given the lean towards in most close start-sit questions. Dwayne. Bills, we kind of had it figured out, but this Cole Beasley rib injury is throwing a wrench into things, man. We got that to worry about. I believe we only played nine snaps last week, and we have Matt Breida come out of nowhere and make this a three-headed committee. What are your thoughts? I guess on this suddenly crowded wide receiver and running back situations.
1: Yeah, I'll start with the backs. Number one, for the first time, basically all season, the Bills don't have like one of the best matchups on the slate. Like, You know, they have had a great run of matchups for backs, (laughs) you know. So if you look at the Colts, it's actually going to probably be bottom three, bottom five matchup this week. So that's just really helping me get away from Moss, get away from Singletary. I both have them in tier five. So, you know, they're going to be down in the 40s in my ranks because of just the unknown of Brita. Um, Maybe high. Maybe high thirties, but that'll be that'll be as high as it gets. I'm just looking at it right now. But yeah, they're gonna be two players. I'm really trying to avoid. You know, it's kind of funny. Breed I think he had like eleven percent of the snaps and did all that work, <laughs> like with barely anything. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was like six know, touches
0: he, and like nine snaps or something. Yeah, ridiculous. he's an
1: explosive player. He and McKenzie are like two guys that are on that roster, right? That when you need plays, they can give them to you. I wonder if he was um, just they,
0: active because of the Beasley situation. Now he did line up in the backfield, it was running back stuff, but you're right because I think it might have just been more of a different look than truly taken away from Moss and Singletary. We'll see what happens this week with it. There's a lot of different variables there.
1: Yeah. and I mean, if you, you see these teams do this kind of stuff all the time. Like we've seen it with Miami, like over the last several weeks because of all the injuries they've had. I mean, basically, they're running, you know, two and three tight ends out there. They look like more like, they look more like, um, you know, the Cleveland Browns offense, yeah. but they don't run. They're still throwing the ball out of like three tight end sets. So, yeah, you have some of that with Buffalo. Um, it was the, I want to say, I'm pulling it up right now. Um, I want to say it was their lowest utilization of 11 personnel in the season last week. Yes, it was. Only 45% of their snaps did they use the three wides. They were up to 17% last week. That was their season high. And 12 personnel. And then they used um, two backs in the backfield 28% of the time, which was their second most on the season. So, yes, these teams, they make these adjustments based on, one, the game plan, two, the availability of their players. And so that's probably what happened last week. You did get Dawson Knox back in the game. So I think that helped give them a little more flexibility as far as what they might want to do with some different personnel grouping. So we'll have to keep an eye on it. But, yeah, the whole thing with Beasley, you know, it does put a little bit of a wrench in it. But, like, what it does is, you know, you can feel pretty good about Emmanuel Sanders you can feel good about, you know, Stefan Diggs. Last week for whatever reason, um, you know, as far as Diggs is concerned, like he he got like 60% of his, you know, snaps were against man single man coverage. Like it was like right around 55%, which is like by far like his highest of the season. And what did he do? He said, "Yes, thank you." I will take this. And so he had, you know, one of the big games we've really been waiting on with Diggs. And he's a nightmare. You you know, you guys have seen him. When he's in when He's in man coverage, like he just turns guys like all around. He's a really great route runner. So with Diggs, got him in my top five this week, even though, you know, Indy is kind of a tough matchup against wide receivers. I don't really care because I mean, it's Josh Allen. He's going to drop back to pass 45, 50 times. He's going to use play action on half of them. And we could have a condensed um, version of the you know of the pecking order here if Cole Beasley is out again. So Love Diggs got him in the top five. I've got um, right now I've got Emmanuel Sanders at thirty three. Ian, you know, but I wouldn't argue anybody like that ranked him like anywhere from probably twenty eight to thirty six somewhere in that range. Yeah. You know, this week again, not the greatest matchup, but twenty eight point seven five implied points, fifty point total for the game. Those both look really good. Um, And again, we know the Bills are going to throw all the time. So stay away from the backs this week in Buffalo, if you can, you know, you guys are probably like, duh, Dwayne, we know this. We don't know why you still try it. We could have told you something and thank you. I appreciate it when you guys do, because sometimes I do need help. Dawson Knox in, you know, um, his routes got up to 70% last week. We were used to seeing him up over 80, just wasn't targeted that heavily. But I think we could easily see that just switch flip on at any moment. Um, So I've still got him as a low-end tight end one right now. I know a lot of people had him up like earlier in the years, like a mid-range tight end one. Even some people I saw high-end tight end one. I was never quite there just because there's so many mouths to feed. But if he can be at 70% of the routes, let's put it this way. If you're in Buffalo, if you get to run a route 70% of the times they pass... That's actually worth more than a lot of teams you getting an 80%. <laughs> so, like, because they run so many passing plays. So, he does belong in that low-end, tight-end one range. So, don't be afraid of the box score last week. Yes, it, he he could give you, you know, another small number this week. But he is out there. He's in a good offense. So, I think with Dawson Knox, you've got to kind of trust the fact that he is on the field plenty in a good offense. And that's,
0: that's just what you kind of have to lean into with. I would rank him ahead of kind of that big group that we always talk about, at the borderline, the Dan Arnolds, the RSJs, Agreed. when he's healthy of the world and yep. stuff like that, Conklin and all those guys. So, same page. Lions at the Browns. Cleveland sitting as a 10 point favorite. Game total at 45 down from 47. I mean, the Jared Goff experience just gets worse and worse by the week. Like, just he had a clean pocket last week, wide open Khalif Raymond running for a potential 40 yard score. And, like, there was never one moment in the play where you thought that it could be a completion funny
1: Ian, because you saw some of the stuff i was doing like digging into like some of our deeper metrics with man coverage and stuff like that mm-hmm. you've been doing some cool stuff with it too and uh Kalief raymond was the name that kept like showing up on the list That like you weren't he wasn't meant to be on the list to talk about <laughs> like it was to talk about the other players right. but he's on the list and he was on like three of these lists and i kept seeing everybody jump into the threads being like Khalif raymond you know like and right away right out of the gate Khalif
0: raymond's open and freaking jared goff can't hit it Bro, and like, it's, I'm not surprised. Like, Khalif Raymond, when the Titans would use him, he was just kind of like this one-trick pony field stretcher, and he figured, okay, well, we probably can't do it every game. And, you know, we haven't really gotten a good chance to see that because of how bad Jared Goff has been and just how risk-adverse he's been. Like, come on, man. You're playing for the Lions. You guys don't have a win. Open it up a little bit. Him and Mike White, only quarterbacks with an average target depth below seven yards, and Goff joins. Ben Roethlisberger as the league's only two quarterbacks to throw short of the sticks on at least 60%. Of their passes this season, he's just really not giving them much of a chance. He's doing a great job tanking them, you know, keeping them somewhat competitive in these games. And they are, you know, looking good to get that number one overall pick. Uh, Just a shame to see. Truly, one of the league's more efficient quarterbacks in 2017, 2018, reduced to maybe the single most unwatchable player at the position in the league. Luckily, we do have DeAndre Swift. Truly, had his best game as a rusher in Week Ten, Force Seven. Missed tackles in week 10 alone, only had five in weeks one through eight as a pure rusher. So that was great to see. and. Based on his utilization, Dwayne, I mean, he's always been someone that we can put in the top 10, top 12 in full point per reception formats because he's getting all the just ridiculous receiving work. But to see him play week high, 93% snaps, have over 30 carries. It's great to see them really trust him in that role. So we got to keep an eye on uh, Je- you know Jefferson's or yeah, Jefferson, right? Uh, his his uh, injury status, if he's yeah. going to be back. Jamar Jefferson. Yep.
1: Jamal. Now Williams you pronounce well. the next guy.
0: Nope, not going to. God <laughs> <way>. <laughs> I know his first name. We got Godwin showing there. But either way, like clearly they are content with Jamal Williams out of the picture to give Swift uh, that full three down role. So he's someone that needs to be in a fantasy lineups of all shapes and sizes. And I think it's really true even if Jamal Williams comes back. It's not a given that Williams would walk back into his usual role. And at the end of the day, Swift, one of just five running backs this year, averaging at least 19 expected PPR points per game. I get it. Miles Garrett and company not the easiest matchup. We're not feeling like the Lions are going to be making too many trips, you know, deep into enemy territory. But those targets are just so worthwhile in fantasy football. And if we're actually getting a rushing floor for a change too, that makes Swift one of the best players at his position that you can target in fantasy land. And, you know, I really just skipped the, uh, you know, I wish I could skip this part because it just kind of makes me mad. But yeah, Dwayne, something named Brock Wright had two targets on three routes last week. TJ Hawkinson had one target in 70 minutes of action. Like, I know there's been a lot of bad stuff happening in 2021. Uh, I don't want to, you know, really just overreact here. But Hawkinson having one target in 70 minutes of action was maybe the worst thing that happened to me in the last year. I don't even have much Hawkinson in fantasy. I'm just that mad about it because who else are you throwing the ball to, Jared? Seriously, Brock Wright. Brock Wright. That's what we're doing here. Come on, man. Before the bye, Hawkinson was tight. Sounds like a
1: vegetable. You better eat your Brock Wright. If you have to, you know, sit down
0: and eat it. Tight end seven, tight end 10, overall tight end one before the bye. We're going to pretend like this never happened, both for my sanity and because I think that's probably the right move. In fantasy football land, continue to start Hawkinson. If you happen to be like incredibly blessed, you have Hawkinson and Kyle Pitts on the same team or something. Okay. In that scenario, we don't need to start them. But God forbid, unless you have two of the top, six maybe top seven tight ends depending on Dallas start status you need to keep starting TJ Hawkinson. people last week sucked we're never going to give that get that back just move on don't let yesterday's goose egg lead to tomorrow's missed opportunity so enough about the Lions Dwayne now we can talk about the Browns there's so many uh, more guys to talk about at least we have everyone's you know your favorite running backs favorite running back in Deioner Johnson
1: yeah and so we're hoping that Nick Chubb is back (laughs) so um, and we'll see on Kareem Hunt like Kareem Hunt could be in the mix this is definitely one of those teams where we are going to have to go back and we'll have to reevaluate it you know as we get closer to game time but right now yeah and I have Nick Chubb in my top three backs my assumption is that he will play um, and that we could see another week without Hunt we just haven't got an update lately on Hunt and originally when he got hurt it was a four to six week injury and so we're kind of at that four week point so Technically, he could be back, so this could be something where I would be moving Chubb down by like tomorrow, you know, or Thursday as we get more info. But right now, I'm leaning to Chubb probably being the lead back for the game. Running back strength of schedule. Well, you know the team Ian just talked about. Who is it? The Detroit Lions. Anytime you hear that, that means the next team you get to talk about after that is going to have like good matchups across the freaking board. And that is the case. So Chubb has the third best matchup on the ground running back strength of schedule this week. Offensive line run blocking advantage is an 83. That might be the highest I've seen this year. So, that's basically taking the dominance that is the Browns line and it's pitting it against Detroit's defensive line. When you put those two things together, you get this really big number. Like, the best you can get is a 100 and it's an 83. So, that's a huge score for them. So, Chubb, man, like, could be in a huge spot. Um, Dearness Johnson I'd still I'm still probably gonna put him down like at the top of my tier five like assuming Damian Harris plays he'll be right there around like Ramondre Stevenson right now I also don't know what to do with Kamara we'll talk about that in a bit but so I've got Ingram lower kind of down around those guys I've got Dearness Johnson right there in that mix right with those players that have uh, situations that are pretty good matchups, not going to be their lead backs, but the game could get out of hand. They could see more work, that kind of thing. So Chavez in my top three feel really great about him. Baker has a great matchup too, but I really don't care um, just because like they're willing to run the ball the whole time. He could come up with one of these, you know, boom efficiency games, like what we've seen with Jimmy Garoppolo over the last three weeks. The problem is he just doesn't have, he doesn't have the weapons around him that Jimmy Garoppolo does, right? He doesn't have a Debo Samuel. Well, he doesn't have, you know, he doesn't no, have no, a Now that's what we're either.
0: saying now. Oh, babe. Baker doesn't get enough help when he we do get him help it, it freaking spins yeah. him out of control that's what that's the it, route we're going now
1: yeah I, I just don't use Baker period I don't have a Baker route so I don't know what the route to it's Baker the volume is. I don't
0: want to hear excuses for him though he's got the best o-line in the league he's got some of the best pass catching running backs
1: it's just more of a even if he did they did decide to throw the ball more it's like it, yeah he's the problem Thank but you. it's also like What do I get excited about? Like, I'm just looking at – just trying to look at the complete picture, Ian. Don't take it personal. Come on, man. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, I'm with you. So, Baker, I got at 23 against the Lions. That tells you what I think about Baker Mayfield. I've got him at 23, and he's playing the freaking Lions. That's probably the lowest quarterback I've had ranked against the Lions all season. So, definitely out on Baker. Chubb's in a good spot. Well, if you know I don't like Baker, you know I'm also not very big on the receivers. Um, Donovan Peoples-Jones, I man, I like. I want to give him a chance, in. They do have the best wide receiver strength of schedule uh, metric on the week, a 10 out of a 10 for he and Jarvis Landry. Um, the problem with Peoples Jones is he just hasn't been able to beat man coverage. Like anytime he gets press man, it's a problem. I think he's beating it like 17% of the time on the season. You know, you want to be up over 30% in that metric. So he's almost like half of what the league average is. And so that's been a problem for Peoples Jones. He can hit the big play whenever he can, you know, get open. Um he, he's still a young player, so you don't want to write him off, right? It's not like we've got that many reps out of Donovan Peoples Jones. So the sample size is not huge or anything. Jarvis Landry can beat press coverage, but he runs about negative three yards down the field every time. So it's just kind of hard to get much out of the targets you do get. Um and it's a situation where you'd really like it, man, if I love Jarvis, but it's like if if Jarvis like in his game had still, if he had like this other gear of like being able to make the big play after the catch, instead of basically like make the gritty tough catch. Sorry, Jacoby Brissett, that's your brand. We won't do it anymore, but you know, makes that tough catch over the middle. And it's like, you know, basically getting tackled right away. Right. We don't see a lot of run after the catch with Jarvis Landry these days. Not that you don't ever see it. The player to me, and like the Browns should get more involved and they just don't like they will show flashes of it but it still feels like it's David Njoku. Like if there's somebody sitting on their team that could really attack the middle of the field, create some mismatches with the safeties, Austin Hooper's fine, but Njoku is the player, right? That's got more speed. You know, I I know he's more of an athlete than a football player. I've heard that. I've watched a lot of the film of him too. Like he's not like the best guy with his hands, but that's okay when you have a play action game like they have Ian and you're can, the spaces behind the linebackers, when you use play play action, when you're the Browns, like, it doesn't matter. Njoku can body catch it. Tell him you don't even care if he uses his hands. Be like, just, you know, just trap it to your body. Doesn't matter. You know, of course, Baker can't medicine ball it like high and make him have to take a huge hit from a safety. But is the player I would like to see get more involved. But it's just not happening. It's kind of inconsistent back and forth. We did see him have that one big game earlier in the season. So nothing to do with the tight ends. Jarvis Landry, Ian, I will have probably a wide receiver thirty between 36 and 40. And then I'll have Donovan Peoples-Jones probably around 45. I, I do think Peoples-Jones is the one like if you're just kind of taking a swing or something, um, especially like in DFS and you're just hoping he comes up with like two catches for 80 and a T tee. Like that, that could be Donovan Peoples-Jones this weekend. So, really, it's just all about Nick Chubb.
0: Yeah, there's just not enough volume or really efficiency when they do get thrown the ball for any of these wide receivers to do anything. Like Jarvis Landry doesn't have a game with 75 yards and he hasn't scored all season. Like, do we think Jarvis Landry sucks now? Of course not. He's not kidding. Fed the ball as much. And when he is, I mean, Baker just hasn't been good targeting the wide receivers. 21st in PFF passing grade to wide receivers. 13th to running backs. 11th to tight ends. You know. And fantasy land, yeah, just don't need to worry about it. Luckily, I just you know, you know, drive, drive myself crazy worrying about this and non-fantasy formats, Dwayne. And that is, and on I will May- say that
1: Baker is the guy that always pops up too high in the original projections that I pull, <laughs> and I have to move him way down the list. I'm like Baker Mayfield in the top fifteen. Uh-uh, no,
0: no, not on my watch, Ian. Got to move him down. My goodness, but yes, with Chubb, I think RB3 does make sense. We really shouldn't feel good. I, I'm, I'm happy you compared Dearness to uh, Ramondre Stevenson because that's kind of the exact same route I was sticking here because before C- Chubb got put on the COVID list and that blowout they had against the Bengals, the first three quarters of that game, it was Chubb 20 snaps. Dearness Johnson only four. Chubb out-carried him 9-1 to in those first 45 minutes, so they really seem ready to fully turn over the backfield to Chubb. He won't get like 95% snaps or anything but at a minimum it does not look like Deionis Johnson is getting anything near what Kareem Hunt was seeing as a compliment to
1: Chubb it is one of those days where if it, if, it, if we don't have Kareem Hunt active like you're giddy with Chubb like I don't think he's him in your that lineup, close
0: man I like, yeah, I was looking that, at that's it that's what
1: I'm thinking too but it's like it's one of those rare games where you are just like and who knows you could be let down because this happens yeah. but like <laughs> when you see the Lions and you see Nick Chubb and all the things that are there like it, could, it it's like you don't normally get this, but like, you know, like, there is a chance. Like, he could have like 175 yards and three touchdowns. Like, it could be that kind of day.
0: But yeah, Stefanski said in mid October that Hunt could miss up to six weeks now we could get back sooner but looking at the Browns schedule they do have a week 13 bye so if Dearness is playing good if Chubb's good I think it might make sense to hold out Hunt until they're back from that bye in week 14 obviously we'll update this situation on the Friday Injury Podcast if any new information comes to light. We got the football team at the Carolina Panthers. Carolina opened as one point faves. That has gone up to three and a half game total, down to 43 and a half after opening at 46 and a half. So Antonio Gibson, we saw it last week. When there is a weird game where Washington can play with the lead, have some positive game script, he has 20 carry upside, and this matchup is winnable for him. I know the Panthers have been a top five defense and fantasy points allowed to running backs, but that's largely been more so because they've been so good at stopping the receiving. Production to that position, much more of a middle of the pack defense in terms of you know yards per carry, yards of four contact per carry, things of that nature. So Gibson, I think we can kind of put him a couple of spots lower than like Damian Harris. It's not really the same matchup in terms of expected positive game script, but at least we know that it's not gonna be a situation like it looked like before the bye, where we legitimately have uh Patterson coming in and stealing like a large chunk of the early down work. Honestly. I think having the, the many three-back committee they got going now, it hurts JD McKissick more than anyone because now he's not really a threat to start flirting with double-digit carries himself. So McKissick, yeah, you know, it's just it's impossible to predict him at this point. If Carolina jumps out to a huge lead on Washington, I'm sure McKissick will have himself a hell of a day. If not, could be another forgettable one. So Gibson, you know, classic low-end RB2 in this spot. I just want better for Terry McLaurin, man. I don't quite understand the change in role they've had for him last year. Year to this year. Last year, they really did a good job with Alex Smith, a limited quarterback, throwing downfield, just making sure that McLaurin got his touches. He had a 9.7 yard average target depth, average a robust 5.2 yards after the catch per reception. This year, 12.8 yard average target depth, just 3.8 yards after the catch per reception. He has been like the biggest boomer bust receiver in the league, and that's not his game. Like they're forcing him into that more than I think they need to, because in my opinion, Dwayne, Terry is a like legit number. One that can win at any level of the defense, but he's being pigeonholed as this like contested catch downfield specialist. He has a league high 35 contested targets this year. He's caught a league high 21 of them, and he has the best contested uh target catch rate of 43.2 percent. So he's getting these contested targets if we've If any of you have watched Terry McLaurin play, even a couple of times, you know that he's not this guy like unable to separate. So I'm not going to you know, chalk that up as a him problem. I think it's more so the routes he's running and Taylor Heineke just not doing a great job of giving him uh, legit chances to make easy catches. So I just wish it was easier for him, Dwayne, because last week, Terry McLaurin, I think he finished 33rd or 35th or something around there that was the first time all year he didn't finish either 45th or worse or in the top five. So like we just have not seen him provide any level of a floor. He's either going off or completely dudding. And I think a lot of that is the way they've been using him. So not saying that's guaranteed to change. I mean, this matchup in particular with Dante Jackson and Stefan Gilmore locking up the uh, outside of the formation, I do think it could be problematic for him. Like don't look now, Dwayne, but I think the Panthers could have a little bit of a, you know, potential late season run. And then if Cam Newton- can just steady the ship a little bit. You got McCaffrey healthy. We know DJ Moore is going to have better days. And this defense, if they don't regress, man, they might be one of the best units in the league still. I was looking at the EPA allowed per run and pass play in 2021, and you see all these teams huddled around each other. And I think I mentioned on another pod how the Vikings, Chargers, and the Chiefs are the only defenses that are allowing a positive EPA per run play. But down in the bottom left of this chart I have, where you basically have only two defenses that have been both awesome against the run and the pass you have the buffalo bills and then you also have the carolina panthers and that's been despite having to deal with the sam Darnold experience throughout the years so really man carolina they might have the sort of just run heavy offense now with cam with cmac to make a lot of noise here uh, moving forward in the season what do you think Dwayne about at least their fancy aspirations in this spot are we in on cam are we back because he's back
1: yeah, and I think we have to be like anything we can do to, you know, give DJ Moore a chance. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like that's so. what it comes down to. <laughs> Seriously, it does. Like, because DJ Moore, like, this is this, this was going to be a season, He and We saw it like in those first few weeks when, Dan, when Darnell was performing okay and he was hot and we saw how much utilization DJ Moore was getting and what he was doing with that. Like, it, it was a big, big season was coming. So, even yeah. if we can just stabilize to like, you know, average, you know, quarterback, if we could just get average quarterback from Cam Newton, I think we would be really good in really good shape, like anything but terrible, right? Really, because that's what Darnold's been, has been terrible. Like I won't elaborate on it again. We've talked about it in the past, like, but the yards passing per game, like over the last several weeks with Darnold have just been absolutely terrible. So there's, even if you're getting big utilization, like Moore was, you know, just wasn't something where you could do a lot with it. If you look at him over the last three games, as far as DJ Moore, like targets 33%, 25%, 23%. Targets per route run on the season, one of the best in the NFL still at 25%. So the dude's getting open. He's demanding looks. He just needs better looks. And so hopefully Cam Newton can help give him that. Um, I do agree with you that because of the defense, and we've actually seen this shift for several weeks, but you would have the turnovers by Darnold that would just flip the script right on, on the Panthers and change the way they would have to approach the game really for as many turnovers they've had and, and how often they've had to play from behind and all those sort of things, they haven't been a super pass happy team when you take all of that into context and you look at, you know, um, you know, what the score differential has been whenever they've ran more and passed more. They've actually already been making this move. So I do agree with you. Now you get Cam Newton. You put him with, you get Christian McCaffrey back healthy. If you need a third back, you know, I think Chuba Hubbard has shown enough, right? If you want to mix somebody like that in a little bit, you could do that. You could lean more into your defense. And then really, you just make this all about, you know, if it is in the passing game, it's just DJ Moore and you can use Robbie Anderson. Oh, look at Robbie Anderson catching a touchdown last week he Can still get vertical. Anderson has struggled against single man coverage. That's really been his downfall this year. And I think maybe that's part of why we've seen him have so many woes outside of the fact that he has. He's also been unfortunate. Like we know, drops aren't sticky. He's had quite a few drops. But, it, you know, drops are another one of those stats. And when you look at them, And on the surface, it may look really bad, but when you go back and you watch all the drops, like it's it's really hard to pinpoint like was that the quarterback or the receiver right because i know like we chart all these things as you know is it within the frame is it outside the frame you know is it uh catchable uncatchable all these sort of things but they're all really you know there's a fine line on some of these things and when i was watching Robbie like rarely did i see a ball just placed on Robbie like right where it needed to be right almost always an adjustment was needing to occur then you get contact you know from a defender like so that, that just puts you in a really tough spot. And so I think Robbie Anderson could see a small bump as well, but it will be, uh, you know, and I guess this doesn't really matter. Like we haven't had a ton of passing yards anyway, right? So I expect the passing attempts to go down, but what we're hoping for is, Is some efficiency to come out of it. And right, we've actually seen this recipe for Cam, you know, when he made his Super Bowl run, right? Ted Ginn. Like Ted Ginn was a thing. You remember that, Ian? So, I mean, it was all about the running game, you know, it was about getting the ball deep, you know, to Ted Ginn and doing some things like that. So we could see, you know, a benefit for Robbie there. The biggest news, you know, Christian McCaffrey. Um, yeah, you know, he's kind of he's just making his way back to being you know the basic Christian McCaffrey we've already known. He's already doing good in the box scores, PPR finish of 15 and 4. But his snaps went from 49% to 59%. Um, if you look at his targets, went from 17% to 32%. So uh, short down and distance, he's handling most of that work. Picked up 55% of the long down and distance last week, and he picked up 67% of the two minute offense. And the first week back, they had Amir Abdullah handling some of those passing down roles. So they really are. Looks like getting McCaffrey back into, you know, I don't think we'll see him ever where we saw him back in the heyday, Ian, of those 95%, 100% snap games. I think we're going to see him up around the 70 to 80 percent. And that's plenty for how much they're designing and how much they're getting in the ball. You know, he's going to be the focal point of the offense. It's going to be Christian McCaffrey, then DJ Moore, then Robbie Anderson, and it's all going to be this heavier ground game. So yeah, as far as my ranks, just real quick on these guys, um, Cam Newton, I have got right now, he's actually got a, it's, it's a nice matchup against Washington, but we did see Washington, you know, give Tom Brady a hard time last week. But if you look at it, you know, their defensive points against, um, from a quarterback standpoint, they're giving up 27.5. Losing
0: Chase is is so huge too.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, and so it's the most in the league. Um, losing Chase, yeah, is a huge deal. Quarterback strength of schedule, 6.7 out of 10. So it's, you know, an above average. I would call that's really good. That's not great, but that's a good matchup for Newton. So I've got him just outside of my tier three this weekend, just because I want to see another week from Cam. I want to see how he looks. Um, you know, we actually need to wait and make sure he has fully been named the starter. I know he's getting starter reps in practice this week. So, I mean, I'm kind of looking at as, as like, it's a given that he's going to be the starter. Um, but with Newton, I just want to see one more week, but I'll probably have him around like quarterback 16 to 18, somewhere in there. So below fields, you know, below some of the other guys we've talked about, like cousins, um, but above like your Tua's, your Wences, your Heineke's, Garoppolo's, all that group. So he'll kind of be like right between the just below outside of the really good tier guys, but we know they've proven themselves. And then you've got these guys we don't want to start. Like Cam will be sitting between those in my rankings. I've got Christian McCaffrey, number two. I've got DJ Moore. Number 17, despite the fact that Mr. DJ Moore has not given us, I don't think he hasn't given us a top 36 performance in the last three weeks, but I'm trying to have some faith here, Ian. So I'm going to have him in mid-range wide receiver two, may drop him to a lower end wide receiver two by the time it's all said and done. But I mean, the real takeaway is if you've got him on your you know fantasy team, you're still probably going to have him in your starting line.
0: I'd like to quickly retract my idea that the Panthers could make a run here at the end of the year. Went ahead and pulled up their schedule. Yes, Washington this week. Then they got in Miami. Then they got a bye. Then they got the Falcons. Maybe they rip off three wins there. But to close the year in Buffalo, Tampa Bay, in New Orleans, and then in Tampa Bay again. That is not great. Love you, Cam. Not so sure you can get that done. Texans, get that mo'
1: going. Get that mo' going over the next three weeks. (laughs)
0: Let's go. Let's go. Texans at the Titans, Tennessee sitting as 10.5-point favorites. Game total down to 44.5 after opening at 50.5. As always, just one guy to talk about in Houston. His name is Brandon Cooks. Have seen more consistency with Tyrod Taylor under center. Started off the year wide receiver 22. Got Tyrod for a couple series, wide receiver 8 in week 2. Last week with Tyrod coming back, or two weeks ago, excuse me, finishes as the wide receiver 23. So we saw some good weeks with Davis Mills as well. Obviously, those offense, I think, has a higher with the artist formerly known as Ty God under center. So with Cooks, we have like the epitome of someone that is a wide receiver one in terms of usage. He is tied for first with Devo Samuel and Devontae Adams in target share, outright first place in air yard share, but he's not in a good enough offense. He doesn't have an efficient enough quarterback to turn that wide receiver one usage into wide receiver one production. Wide receiver 11 in expected PPR fantasy points this year. Wide receiver 23 in actual PPR points per game hey Dwayne wide receiver 23 he was going in the late 30s really for most of the offseason so he's certainly I think outperformed expectations just a matter of realize that we're going to have some duds here along the way so if it is a situation where you have you know six top 24 receivers on your roster. I could see benching Brandon Cooks because we know he's got a lower floor than the other guys. But in this matchup, Titans single worst defense in the league and fantasy points per game allowed to opposing wide receivers. So overwhelming majority, I think, of lineups should try to start Brandon Cooks in them this week. The volume should be there. Efficiency should be better. And the matchup is just about as good as we could ask for. So Titans have been playing some better ball in recent weeks. I think a lot of those numbers probably did come a little bit more in the earlier, parts of the season at the same time volume is king and brandon cooks has more of it than just about anybody else so yeah and for the love of god i mean fantasy football is supposed to be fun people you really want to talk about houston texans running backs could not be me get out of here with that but Dwayne, arguably just as messy running back situation in houston you got tennessee i was like you're gonna say
1: that and then pitch this one to me
0: (laughs) you only got three running backs to worry about at least but yeah good luck my friend
1: yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, Foreman took a slight lead last week, but it's not enough. You know, I guess you could go with like the revenge narrative, right? Going back and play the Texans. Um, you know, Texans make for a good revenge narrative for anyone, even if you never played for them. It's just like make it your own and <laughs> just do it. Um, so we'll we'll see what happens with it. I prefer to stay away from the Tennessee backfield. I've got them all down. Um, outside my top 40, all three of them, just kind of hovering, you know, just outside of that. I don't really know how to dice them up. I've got Foreman slightly ahead, um, then McNichols, then Peterson, but they're all a few spots apart. You know, I don't think we have enough data to really say, oh, let's pound the table. and We know for sure what's going to happen here. We just don't like. Even when we have really good data, we don't know for sure what's going to happen, right? All we can do is present it, you know, and a lot of times in these cases, past performance is the best you know, indicator of what's going to happen in the future. But with this one, it's just been a bit all over the place. The one good thing you have is you do know that Tennessee is willing to be very committed to the running game. We've seen that continue despite the fact that they don't have Derrick Henry. It's slightly less now. So we've seen it, you know, they are passing a little bit more. But overall, they're still pretty committed. But I don't think we've, we've, we haven't we have necessarily seen them really tested because it's not a game where they've gotten behind or anything. That's definitely probably not going to happen this weekend. Uh, so, yeah, you – You probably want to avoid these guys. The they're really the only two players you're thinking about here are Ryan Tannehill. You know, you get the second best matchup from a quarterback strength of schedule. Yes, they're favored by ten and a half points. Um so, but Tannehill, the nice thing is, you, you know, he's got five rushing touchdowns on the year, so he can he can give you upside there. Implied points for the for the Titans this weekend, twenty seven point five. Um, so normally in a game like this, like this would be like the Derrick Henry smash, right? We would be talking about Derrick Henry would be the number one ranked fantasy player in all of fantasy football if he was playing this week against the Texans, but he's not. But there is another really good player Ian, that people want to get down on, people get mad at, and it's funny with AJ Brown. Like, look. People, do you realize like and I'm saying people, I'm using Ian's people. People. (laughs) All of these all of these receivers like have down weeks. Like, but for whatever reason with AJ Brown, and I know part of it's because he's been injured. So people really want to use him, right? They've been waiting. He, you didn't get to use him a lot early in the season, been in and out of the lineup, wasn't 100%. And so it's like, now it's like the pressure's on anytime he's on the field. Oh my God, he better be like a top five receiver. But look, these things happen. Like these things happen to the very best receivers. You know, I mean, it happens to Justin Jefferson, happens to DK Metcalf. It happens less to Devontae Adams, but it happens to Devontae Adams. It happens to Tyreek Hill. These guys have down games. AJ Brown's in a great spot this week. Wide receiver, wide receiver strength of schedule, 8.4. Wide receiver corner. Cornerback matchup 90.3 like he is in an absolute smash spot I've got him ranked as my number three receiver on the week and I have seen some tweets hey why don't they target him more why don't they move him around do more things look guys he had one game where he wasn't at 30 percent targets like in the last four weeks they are targeting him they get him to they get it to him now they are still a run heavy team so those heavy targets don't look like Devontae Adams, right? A heavy, a heavy, a a 35% target day for Devontae Adams is like 12, right? A 35% target day for A.J. Brown is 8. But A.J. Brown just got that big playability. And you know any one of these, any two of these, any three of these could be 50, 60, 70, 80-yard romps to the end zone. So you just got to continue to fire him up. And he's in a great spot this week. As far as the tight ends go, I have no clue, Ian. They rotate like seven guys. Uh, most people that are listening to pod have probably never heard of any of them.
0: Oh no, man. We all know Ferkser from those June, July (laughs) best ball days. But Ferkser, yeah, like what the heck, man? Like he he's the one that gets the
1: least looks, and he actually like some of his receiving grades are the best, but he's not he's never out there. So
0: at least at least it is always AJB wide receiver one season. We got the 49ers at the Jaguars. San Fran up to a six and a half point favorite, open as minus four, game total resting at 45 and a half. Jimmy G. PFF's highest graded quarterback over the past three weeks, got his weapons back and he is playing better. I guess the frustration is just like we've seen Jimmy G play really great and still unfortunately wasn't enough in that Super Bowl run that, let's face it, got plenty of help from league's best defense and the most efficient rushing attack along the way as well. So hey, you know, we'll see Jimmy G. He'll go out there when everyone's healthy. You know, he can make good things happen when the defense isn't wreaking too much havoc. Uh, Just let's not you know get confused and make this out to be some kind of big career turnaround i think we kind of know who jimmy g is and that's why the allure of trey lance is what it is but for now gotta assume jimmy g is going to continue to be, Man, I'll be center. honest
1: i do not want to see trey lance i have no desire whatsoever why not but
0: because he
1: sucks for debo samuel he's 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 gonna take away from elijah mitchell so think of all the fantasy teams right now that have basically figured out i don't need trey lance i'm good Elijah Mitchell is a big part of what people are doing in their fantasy seasons. Debo Samuel. See, Nora agrees. Debo Samuel is a big part of what people are doing in their fantasy seasons. George Kittle. See, look, she likes all of these. George Kittle is a big deal for people down the stretch in fantasy seasons. Trey Lance potentially torpedoes all of that. Accuracy hasn't looked good, just not on the same page. Anyway, Ian, I get what you're saying. I get excited about Lance as for him, right? Like the quarterback situation I would like better than Jimmy G. But let's face it, we have plenty of quarterbacks to start. These other positions are what I care about more.
0: I mean, we saw him for one game without his top weapons against the freaking Cardinals. I'm not going to write him off that quick. I know what you're saying. When we have the dual-threat quarterback, it takes away from everyone else involved. But, hey, credit to Kyle Shanahan. What happened when we were talking, Dwayne, last week about having Kittle, Ayuk, Debo, like one of these guys is going to have to take a step, step back more weeks than not. What happened? Let's get Debo Samuel six snaps as a true running back, something that he has done throughout his career, and he looks good doing it, man. Really, when Debo has the ball, in his hands. He is just a playmaker, whatever position you want to call him. When I got to talk to Akeem Tlaib on this very podcast last week, he was comping him to a younger Anquan Bolden, which I, I, you know, different players... Yeah, it's different players, and obviously you maybe don't look the exact same, but in terms of just the strong, They have them. a lot of similarities.
1: Very rugged, work over the middle, good run after the catch. People, A lot of people don't yeah. remember the run after the catch, Bolden, that we had early in his career. Right, right? that's the, getting the late- them
0: to the ground is a nightmare. Yeah. So I get yeah. it from that. I get they it from remember the,
1: the really more the possession receiver, Anquan Bolden, late in his career, which was also a good version of Anquan Bolden yeah. with the Ravens. But before that, when he was with the Cardinals, I mean, this guy, Ooh. like he, he could do the rack thing.
0: Him and Fitz, man, that was a hell of a combo yeah. for many, many years. But yeah, look, Kyle Shanahan, he has his two guys in Debo Samuel and George Kittle, monsters after the catch and they're pretty damn good getting open and doing all that as well and he finds a way to get these guys the ball so over the past two years minimum 100 targets top players in yards per route run number one is Debo Samuel number two is Devonte Adams and number three is George Kittle gotta love what they have brought to the table so Ayuk we're, see- we're seeing the you know the bigger role coming to fruition but when we have Debo when we have George Kittle doing their thing at a minimum you know with Ayuk I'm happy we don't have to talk about like cutting him at this point, but we're going to see weeks like last one where he only has four targets because he is the pretty clear-cut number three pass game option. At the beginning of the year, I think it would have been fair to say, hey, 1A, 1B, 1C is pretty definitively number one, Debo, number two, George Kittle, and number three, Brandon Ayuk. So, that's just the way the cookie cookie crumbles sometimes everybody, but let's talk about this uh, running back room. Unfortunate news today, Elijah Mitchell fractured a finger Monday night, but we're getting optimism that despite having surgery on Tuesday he will be ready to go by Sunday against the Jaguars defense so if not We also have Jermichael Hasty, who was hurt last week with the ankle injury and didn't suit up, meaning Jeff Wilson will be the next man up to take a lot of these snaps. Again, we did see Debo Samuel get six snaps as an RB in Week 10. He only had seven of those in Weeks 1 through 9 combined, though, so I wouldn't get too carried away thinking that Debo's all of a sudden going to be getting double-digit carries as a running back. At the same time, man, we don't see – like, Robert Woods was, like, legit – not – completely overhauling ranks but like he was a, it was a good tiebreaker to draft robert woods over the past few years because he was getting 22 23 carries per season same thing with curtis samuel like if we can even get three to five carries per game for debo that's so much more than basically any other receiver is seeing i in think the, the Jamichael
1: hasty role is the key for debo because he's really more the jet guy and he comes out there in the passing downs long down distance that kind of stuff and so Elijah Mitchell is actually getting a lot of the work inside the five before he didn't have the success that Debo did. So I think some of Debo's additional work does hinge on, you know, uh, Jermichael Hasty.
0: And it has worked. I mean, look, its a lot of it ha- has been Jets. They've used orbit motion. Like, Debo isn't always getting stuff as a running back. But we don't care. Just give him the ball. What do we always talk about, Dwayne? Dual threat players are a cheat code in fantasy. Usually, those are rushing quarterbacks. Those are receiving running backs. Seldomly do we see the rushing wide receiver might just be what we have in Debo. And if not, you know, he'll do his thing and just continue to torch guys out as a pure receiver. But it is fun to see the way he's being used. So Jaguars defense is not a pushover. They actually have a very good pass rush that I could see giving Jimmy G quite a bit of problems if he's not, you know, on one of his good phases getting the ball out quickly. But yeah, hopefully Mitchell is good to go. We're going to want to pick up Jeff Wilson. If not, he would instantly be in that, you know, low end RB2 conversation. I think right where Mitchell is, if he is able to start, obviously you're feeling great about Debo, great about George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, more of a lower end wide receiver three at this point. Now, Dwayne, we got our Jacksonville Jaguars with James Robinson, who every time he plays, man, five straight, fully healthy games, top 12 RB or better. James RB one son, gotta love it. We got one, we got one consistent guy out of Jacksonville. Thank you, Urban Meyer. You gave us one.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it was really on a reduced, you know, roll last week because they just eased him back in with the hill injury. Only out there 59% of the snaps, but uh 57% of the rushing attempts. So almost a 60% in that first game back. That was encouraging. And almost half of the routes as well. So 47%. So I would anticipate you see another step forward. Man, it's again, it's it's I can't remember the player we were talking about. I think it was Gerald Everett, right? Where the timing, it's like the timing is like just so slightly off, like the players that they work their way up. They basically take over a full role in something like COVID or an injury to a heel, something like that happens. And that's what we saw with James Robinson. He had truly taken over this backfield 100%. And then also, you mentioned some of the stats about him. It was either yesterday or the day before. Like, man, like he's looked great as far as like yards after contact, missed tackles force per attempt. Like he ranks, he is one of the true backs, like that whenever you want, like that perfect combination of all those things coming together, he's really done a great job. And he ranks, if you had to rank it where you're looking at utilization plus that, like he's going to be in the top three or four. So let's hope he gets back to that utilization that we saw before. Yeah, the Jags aren't that great on an offense. So you don't have a ton of touchdown upside, but i tell you what, like if they are going to score a touchdown, I mean, I'd put a bet like it's 50% (laughs) chance. James Robinson is going to be the guy that's going to get the touchdown. So and look, we've seen we've seen players like Christian McCaffrey, you know, um, even this season, like can still continue. Only six percent of his fantasy points have come from, you know, touchdowns. And he's actually still been able from a points per game standpoint. Right. He's still in the top five. So James Robinson can still be valuable because he is used in all, um, you know, phases of the game. The matchup isn't really great, um, but with guys like this, as long as he's healthy. With guys like this, you really don't care. Like you downgrade them a little bit, but when they're getting this kind of volume, you know, James Robinson will be in the middle. You know, he'll be just, he's going to be on the verge of being in my top 12. I'll probably keep him out just because I want to be fully, you know, you know for sure, like that he is back to 100% health. And then the next week he jumps in. But to your point, like he keeps giving you these top 12 performances anyway. So anybody that ranks inside the top 12, I don't blame them. You know, um, I just, the 49ers matchup is a little tough like for me to get him all the way there from a running back strength of set schedule you know it's going to be a, dot, a bottom 8 matchup this week offensive line run blocking advantage will be a bottom 8 matchup this week for the Jaguars so just a a little bit of a pause but again not enough that you're not going to start him you're going to use him Um, you're not going to use Trevor Lawrence I'm not going to talk about him like he's still he's just a rookie that's still growing up and you've talked about it again like with the big time throws and some different things where he's had some drops not all of it really falls you know to coming back on the shoulders of Trevor Lawrence but that really leads like to this next thing I don't want to talk about the receivers either because you really don't want to be using any of them I mean we had the debate yesterday where you said like if the Girl Scout cookie girl came to my door with a nine millimeter with a silencer on it like would i cho- would i choose you know uh jamal agnew or would i choose marvin jones and i said jamal agnew so um that's kind of where we're at right now you know with the jaguars i do think agnew is the only player you can use and i've got him more as a boom bust wide receiver four but he does get involved in other facets of the game you know and he has one thing that i think they're really looking for on the offense which is speed and it shows you He's probably doing some of the things they wanted to do with um, Travis Etienne, right? And we're, we didn't get to see that. So um, with, with Agnew, you can use him, you know, more as that you know wide receiver four. You know, you hope he gets into the wide receiver three range. But I'm completely avoiding LaVisca Chenault, Marvin Jones Jr. Done with both of those guys. Chenault's really struggling on the outside. You know, he needs to be back in the slot. But that's where they're having to use Agnew because of the injuries. As Ian says, sometimes that's how the cookie crumbles. Maybe this will be something that in a year from now we'll see. Chenault's game has grown because he did have to work more outside, but really struggling against press man coverage, not able to get off the line, not able to separate. So that's a problem. Really, the star of the show besides James Robinson here is Dan Arnold. Dan Arnold is, man, like this is kind of crazy, Ian, when I started looking at it because we talked about him yesterday on the waiver wire show. You know, if you look at him, percent of the route, 74%, 75%, 80% targets per route run, 19%, 26%, 24%. Those are elite numbers. Like He wasn't you know, even on the, the ja- team
0: until October.
1: Yeah. And the Jaguars offense is bad, but, but those, like I've given you guys the historical, you know, comps and why I care about these numbers across these different positions. And like, when you see something like that, like he's he should be a mid-range tight end one, right? With every week an upside to be, you know, have the number one score of the week, like if he catches two touchdowns. But like the utilization looks really good. He's not he's not in a situation where he's just boom bust anymore. I think his utilization is strong enough that you can really count on Dan Arnold. No doubt about it. He'll go out and put a donut up this weekend. Yeah, But man, Ian, the other thing, 1.77 yards per route run now. Like he's bumping that thing up towards two. He's not just getting volume. Like he's actually doing things with it. Um so he's demanding targets. he's he's uh, actually getting yards, you know whenever he is in a route. So those are all good things that we want to see, metrics that we care a lot about. And Dan Arnold, you know he's checking all of those boxes. So this is a guy that I think we're going to talk a lot about heading into 2022. Dan Arnold will be a name in the tight end conversation um, that we'll be interested in thinking about in the later
0: rounds. Daniel Day-Lewis-Arnold. Actual first game with the Jaguars was September 30th, so my bad, everyone, but you could imagine. Dolphins at the Jets. miami has three-point favorites. Game total at 45. Miles Gaskin, you know, we had that long stretch with J.D. McKissick only balling out, and I think it was like odd number weeks. Basically what Gaskin has been doing. Over the last six weeks, he has finished as a PPR RB2, then the RB47, then the RB9, then the RB35, then the RB8, most recently rb RB 42, So, fantasy football doesn't have to be hard. Just start him this week and we'll probably get another top 10 finish. But actually, maybe because the Jets have the league-worst defense in PPR points per game. Dwayne, I believe you said you had Gaskin around RB17. I think that is a perfect spot for him. Even with Miami having the 30th-ranked offensive line and team run-blocking grade. Like, I'm not saying Gaskin is just going to run through these massive holes all day, but he is projected for 19.4 combined carries and targets. That's the 12th highest mark in all of week 11. And then when you look at some of the pass catching running backs against his defense, pretty easy to imagine Gaskin going out, having his five-plus catches, 15-plus carries, and pulling off an RB2 performance. So you're getting Gaskin in the starting lineup and we're also getting Jalen Waddle more times than not. Really, you know, last week disappointed a little bit, but we all know when things happen on Thursday Night Football, they feel like five times as worse as they really probably are in reality. So only the wide receiver 37 last week but before that had three of his four weeks as the wide receiver 16 or better. He's the wide receiver 30 in PPR points for game this season, wide receiver 22 in expected usage. So Jets secondary, we did see them rank. Ranking pretty damn high in the earlier parts of the year in terms of just fancy points per game allowed to opposing wide receivers. I think a lot of that was just teams being more willing to run the ball and not have to worry about even throwing it that often against them. As we saw when they faced the Bills last week, Stefan Diggs and Gabriel Davis both went for 100 with relative ease. So if they're going to play all that man coverage on Jalen Waddle, I do think it could be a little problematic, especially with the way the Dolphins do a great job of always having Waddle in movement when the ball is snaps, so Bottom 12 defense, EPA per play, and QB rating to targets in the slot specifically. I do think Waddle continues to warrant low-end wide receiver two, maybe higher-end wide receiver three consideration. And for the elephant in the room, unfortunately, we have Mike Jasicki. Disappoint last week with the goose egg. Um, I do want to point out that not even Mike Jasicki considers himself a tight end. I, I got some cool audio from one of my lovely Twitter followers where it was on National Tight End Day. One of his teammates comes over, daps up Mike. He's like, National Tight End Day hell yeah, man, great catch. And Mike Jasicki just goes more like national big slot receiver day. So even Mike Jasicki himself doesn't believe himself to be a real tight end, but you know who does? Every single fantasy football website across the industry. So we'll keep rolling with it for that reason. Devontae Parker, Will Fuller, both seemingly continue to be sidelined, allowing Jasicki to have this role and work as a top two pass game option in this offense. So yes, it sucks that he goose egg last week. People still played 81% of the snap still had seven targets I'm inclined to more or less forget it happened like yeah we have Tua and Jacoby throwing the ball I understand it's not ideal with that said it didn't hold him back the previous you know eight weeks of the year we didn't he had the goose egg in week one as well only had three targets in that one so at least we have the usage working in his uh, right direction this time around so that's all I got with the Dolphins Dwayne Here we go, man. Jets, we got some shitty matchups on here, but at least we got (laughs) Michael Carter continuing to emerge as an RB that we can feel pretty good about in fantasy land.
1: Yeah, with Carter, you know, a little bit of a bummer last week just with Tevin Coleman getting involved because that that took away carries from Ty Johnson, and for taking carries away from Ty Johnson, they awarded him with a long down and distance in the two minute offense, which previously had been you know with you know our guy Michael Carter. So it, it. Look, you're still going to use him. He's fine. He came through with a touchdown late in the game. Um, But just realize, like, if Coleman stays involved and if that is going to be his role and that's, like, how it's going to cascade across, like, the three backs, like, it just makes each one of them more script dependent, right? It means Ty Johnson needs a big trailing script to be involved well check you play for the Jets you're probably going to get that at some point in the game but it also means that it can be a limiting factor for Michael Carter because he's really just the early down back now they did they did still try to use him a little bit in the passing game even on early downs so that's a good thing but you already brought up you know earlier like with Mike White you know he was fine checking the ball down like will we continue to get that you know whenever we get Zach you know Wilson back I don't know like we may not because Wilson really was more about pushing the ball down the field Um, and so it's going to be a situation that we'll have to monitor but overall yeah we're still going to use him right now this week I've got him at RB 21 right now so just ahead of Josh Jacobs ahead of Cordell Patterson ahead of Antonio Gibson so right there in that range that's about where I think he deserves to be you know he doesn't have an every down roll he's got a solid roll he's going to get some touches but game strip could kind of make things wacky for him so we'll have to and keep i, and I think i
0: would like legit bump him down behind those three guys maybe one more if we go to zach wilson instead of mike white it's been egregious man with how much mike white checks it down
1: yeah so yeah and i agree like you could and, and that's the thing that's why i like to tier guys right because i like to give yeah. people a, an idea of like this is a group of players and here's why i feel about them as a group because, you know, as much as we try in like nailing down every player and these and we want to be accurate and there's a lot that goes into the way we do our rankings. But it really is about groups of players. Right. And it's about like, here's why these like five are similar. Right. Because I don't know, Dwayne.
0: I, I, I think this is the week I get every single ranking for every single position. Right. This is it. Hundred percent. I'm all
1: for it, man. I'm all for it. We'll. I'll do a victory lap with you. Like I will steamroll Twitter with Ian victory laps whenever you. Whenever you hit it out of the park this weekend. Um, Not comfortable with Zach Wilson, even if he comes back. So I'm not going to talk about that. I don't think most of the the listeners are going to be interested in using Zach Wilson unless you're in a, you know. Twenty-four thousand three hundred fifty-two Superflex League. You know, might be using, you know, Zach Wilson this weekend, uh, and it's yet t- it's t- it's still TBD, right? You know, Salah has come out and said he's not naming his starter yet, so it could actually still be Mike White for more week. My guess is that it will actually be Wilson. We'll have to see. As far as the receivers go, Corey Davis. Um, I've got him at 32 right now, Ian, he's in my fourth tier. And then in my fifth tier, I have Elijah Moore just slightly behind him. And that's just because, you know, Davis is out there for more of the routes, but you know, let's be honest, Elijah Moore is really the one that's come through with the big plays. Um, we're just hoping to see some increased usage for him. You know, we all love Keelan Cole. I'll be sending Keelan Cole a Christmas card, you know, personal (laughs) from the family and everything, but I just want to see more Elijah Moore. Like I just, I, that's what I want to see. Just because, like, it's like you get these players that like every week are coming up with a big play. Yeah, there's been a blown coverage, you know, also mixed in there, but that happens for everybody. Um, not everybody, but uh, hey, the way I look at it is, if you're a good player and you're doing enough things right, you know, eventually you put yourself in position to get lucky sometimes too. So Elijah Moore's got that going for himself. But just when you watch him, in the end, like he's just he's the best player on the Jets. Like when I watch him play, like it's just like you know this guy has. know definitely got the biggest playmaking ability got the most electricity is he fully polished yet no but i'm just ready to see him continue to get the ball more so i'll have him down you know in my wide receiver four boom bust you know it it could come through and you know be a top 24 receiver for you but if it is the week where the targets don't come and the routes are down yeah it's going to be a situation where like oh crap thanks i got four points from elijah moore i think Corey davis the ranges are a little bit tighter on him you know you're probably talking like worst case scenario you get eight to ten points i don't think the upside is quite as high though with corey davis so Both of them do have a decent matchup, though, 6.7 out of 10 on the wide receiver strength of schedule. That's seventh best on the slate. But the wide receiver cornerback matchups themselves, you know, a little bit tougher. We haven't seen the Dolphins be what they've been, you know, in the past. And that's part of why you're seeing, you know, that metric show up. Um, But it could be something where we start to see them, you know, just play better, get healthier. We'll have to see. We'll have to wait. Um, As far as tight ends, um, there's nothing to really talk about there. Um, So that's it for the Jets.
0: With Elijah Moore, like, I just don't understand why he's still working behind even Jameson Crowder, who's fine. Like, I'm not hating on Crowder. The Jets made Crowder take a pay cut this offseason, which I thought was ridiculous from the start. He's been one of their only, like, consistent producers over the past few years. It's not like the Jets are, like, out there spending enough money to really be pressed up against the cap in the first place. But if you're going to make him take that pay cut, then you're going to pick Elijah Moore 34th, like, two picks away from being a first-round pick. And now you're playing playing him behind the guy. You had to take a pay cut, you know, Dwayne. I'm not I'm not an NFL coach, and I, you know maybe that's the reason why I'd be playing Elijah Moore over Jamison Crowder. But I just can't wrap my mind around uh, some of these decisions. But it is what it is. I agree with all the fantasy ranks. Saints at the Eagles. Philly sitting as a a 1.5-point favorite. Opened, actually, with New Orleans as a a 3.5-point favorite. Line moving all over the place in this one. Game total is down to a weak low, 43.5 after opening at 48. So... Haven't heard specifically if it's going to be Trevor Simeon again. And I agree with kind of what I've seen the consensus narrative be on Simeon from Sean Payton, from media members in New Orleans. Like, Simeon isn't the problem. He did a good job bringing them back last week. He's done a good job bringing them back every week. Only Tom Brady somehow has a higher PFF passing grade in the fourth quarter than Trevor Simeon. But The other guys say the same thing after talking about how Simeon isn't the problem. It's that they don't have enough weapons. So how could you expect Simeon to really elevate every moment they don't have enough weapons? And I don't. But we also know the weapons aren't really improving anytime soon. Michael Thomas isn't coming back. Alvin Kamara is out of the picture, at least for the time being. So if Simeon isn't the problem and it's the pieces, and you know that the pieces aren't going to elevate him, what are we doing here? Let's get Taysom Hill in there and just try to be a different, unique offense and run the ball. So... I just, again, don't really understand what we're doing with Simeon because it seems like you at least have a potential untapped ceiling with Taysom Hill, whereas we know what we're getting here with Simeon and these weapons, and it's honestly not much. You can stay competitive against just about anyone, make them play an ugly game, maybe mess around and win a couple games. They beat the Buccaneers. They almost beat the Titans. Like, they're not a bad football team by any stretch of the imagination. I just don't get the fascination, the fixation over Taysom Hill for literally, like, the better part of the last half decade, only to so play Trevor Simeon ahead of him when you don't have Jameis, when you don't have Drew Brees. But that's what they're doing. So because of that, Deontay Harris, Marquez Callaway, Traquan Smith, I think they're all reduced just to kind of wide receiver five. I mean, wide receiver four. if you want to be generous. Not guys that you're going to feel good about putting in any single starting fantasy football roster. So, really, things are just spread out between them. Your guess is as good as mine in terms of which one will score during any given week. Adam Troutman, we mentioned on the waiver pod, like the usage has been going the right direction. Would really be careful about this next week, though, everyone, because we've seen the drops play a factor already this year. And I just say that in terms of he hasn't exactly... Built himself like this super long leash, in my opinion, at tight end. And for him to basically not lose the game straight up, you know, it's what was well, one two point conversion they would have needed to tie it, but to have that false start, like he ended it, that's for sure. So don't want to mess around with Travelman this week. And because of that, once again, only the running backs matter in New Orleans. So Kamara, obviously, if he's healthy, we're starting him with confidence. And we need to do the same thing with Mark Ingram. RB8 last week in relief, played over 80% of the offensive snaps. Look who's a rusher look as a receiver i did not expect in the year 2021 for soon to be 32 year old mark ingram to be out there handling a three down roll saints are apparently okay with it so Dwayne, where do you have ingram because i wrote down he should probably be a top 15 option i understand if you got some other guys around there but at a minimum he needs to be top 20 firmly 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 in that rb2 range
1: um, if if Alvin Kamara doesn't play, like I'll have him at thirteen or fourteen. Okay, cool. Know? That's, so, that's I mean, what I'm we're still about. kind of waiting to see what's going to happen with Kamara. No real update on that front yet, but yeah, I think he deserves to be right there, borderline RB one. You know, yeah. he was heavily involved in the passing game last week. I mean, he was in every down back. Like he had short down distance, all of it. Um, and he knows their offense. Like, and when you look at Sean Payton, he trusts them. He trusts you know Mark Ingram, so he. I, you know, it was kind of funny because I was like, you know, sometimes you get tagged and like these like questions like who to start like and there's a poll and they tag. A bunch oh, of yes. People. And there was one last week. You know, you can't we can't answer all those. But I try to jump in, you know, where I can. I think the question was Javonta Williams or Mark Ingram Ingram. And I'm like Mark Ingram all the way. Like, I think you have maybe been tagged in the same one. And it's the same thing. Like he's just, you know, you're going to have a player that's going to be out there. Seventy five percent of the snaps you're going to see, you know, probably somewhere between 8 and 15% you know of the targets and he's going to get 60 to 70% of the rushing attempts. You know, so now Ty Montgomery was probably going to be a little more involved in that game before he broke his finger and that where it was pointing completely the wrong direction. That could have derailed Mark Ingram a little bit last week from what we thought his role was going to be, but now heading into this week I feel really good about him if we do have Kamara in. There.
0: Now, Dwayne, with the Eagles, it looks like Miles Sanders is going to be back. I think it was – I saw Jared Evans, our uh, PFF, lovely social media guru. And basically, I think it was like from an Instagram or something, but Miles Sanders is a picture of himself saying like that he is back. So – this brings up a lot of questions because with Miles Sanders in weeks one through seven the Eagles threw the ball on 67 percent of their plays in non-garbage time situations that was the fifth highest pass play rate in the league but over the past three weeks without Miles Sanders they are dead last at just 40.6 percent so Dwayne what are we doing with these running backs with Sanders is back do we think they're going to go back to passing it because that doesn't really seem likely but then again if they keep running it do we really think Sanders is all of a sudden going to take over this role or we looking at just the four back committee straight from hell
1: yeah i mean you know i think we're going to see them continue to run it because they're winning (laughs) right um and they've actually had a game mixed in here where they were behind by four or more points for over 50 percent of the snaps and they still stuck with the run so really what we're seeing them now evolve to is they really want to be the old version of the Ravens offense, right? They want to run the ball, you know, anywhere from 55 to 60% of the time. Jalen Hurts obviously helps make that possible because he's second in the league and designed rushing attempts for quarterbacks at 23% of the attempts from the Eagles go through Hurts' legs. Um, so I think it's a situation where, I mean, you kind of hit it like <laughs> the Eagles have run the ball on 69%, 58%, and 59% of their plays over the last three games. That's freaking nuts. Like that—that's insane. Like when I first saw it, I was like, "This has to be a typo. Like this isn't <laughs> even possible." That's what we're dealing with. I think it'll be closer to like fifty-five percent as the games are more competitive, right? Overall, but still, fifty-five to sixty percent rushing is like huge. Like you get—you'll usually get one or two teams in the league every year that will do that, and it's usually the Ravens. We see used to see the Seahawks do it back in the day. We saw the Panthers do it back in the day, um, and some teams just get some really good efficiency and they kind of get their mojo going, and that's really kind of where the Eagles are right. Now they're looking pretty good actually, despite the fact they're not throwing the ball as much, they're much more efficient with it. You know, we saw it happen for Devonta Smith last week, but real quick with the backs, yeah. Man, with Miles Sanders back, I actually wrote about it in the utilization report, which came out today. And you know, I actually think he's an interesting buy low, Ian, just because here's why most people value him as an as as a running back three right now. So my thought is, even if he doesn't come back and get the every down roll, which he probably won't, right? If he doesn't come back and get the every down roll, the increased size of the pie that we have with the Eagles right now is probably going to give him just as many carries as he was getting before when he was the every down back because they weren't throwing it to him and they weren't running enough to really get his his stats up to where we needed them to be, despite the fact he was on the field the whole time. But... If by some chance he does carve out a bigger portion or if he does go back to being a near every down player in this offense, man, that would be a sky high ceiling. Then we would be talking about Miles Sanders every week in the top 12. So that's the way I look at it. You go buy low now. Worst case is he stays in a committee, but the pie is big enough. He probably gives you what he was already giving you, you know, and you can and you're and remember the key is you're paying an RB3 price. Don't go pay don't go overpay if you have to overpay just don't do it but if you can get him for the price of what an rb3 should be and then all of a sudden like something happened and look injuries all we've seen it how many times this year for all we know jordan howard gets hurt next week not that we want him to but if that happens okay all of a sudden that's more carries for miles sanders if boston scott is i think what will happen is it's going to be sanders really playing boston scott's role that he has right now then i think it's gonna be jordan howard staying in the role he's in and we probably see Um, Gainwell continue to do what he's doing and it'll be Boston Scott. That's the odd player out, or you could see Boston Scott take over Kenneth Gainwell's spot, right? And it ends up being Gainwell being the odd player out. So it's going to be some version of those things, but I think there are paths for Miles Sanders um, that could just include luck, right? That all of a sudden you're in this heavy rushing attack, with a player that we know does have talent. Is he the best at reading his blocks and all those things? No. But if you're gonna get volume like you're getting in this offense, you know, I I would love to see this thing just turn into Miles Sanders and Jalen Hurts. Like then we would be in a really good spot with it because there is enough rushing volume there to really, you know, get you through.
0: But Dwayne, yeah, I think like the way you yeah, described man. kind of the process of buying low on someone is perfect here because Sanders, it wasn't like he was just busting with a bunch of opportunity early on. He was only the RB thirty-eight and expected PPR points per game in weeks one through seven. Like he just wasn't getting the rock. So some of the other guys we've named as buy low candidates, like over the past month or so, and you know, Javante Williams, Chase Edmonds, Josh Jacobs. I'm not saying they've all you know been complete smashes or anything, but each time it was like okay. Buy them as the RB3 that they are. And if you continue to have that production, okay, you got an RB3. You know, you're not killing yourself over it. You're feeling good enough about that. But the potential for so much more is evident inside their respective offenses. So with Sanders, like you're fine if he's on the squad. Maybe you're not getting this top 15 guy that someone drafted them to be. But you didn't pay that for him. You paid for him as an RB3. And God forbid they give him this backfield. All of a sudden, we're looking at a hell of a lot more. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And you're not you're not trading and you're not trading for him to even get him in your lineup this week. Like unless you're just absolutely strapped, then you may throw him in there as a what the heck kind of player. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with everything you just said. So that's that's kind of like the process the way you want to think about it. Like, OK, what's the worst case that can happen here? What's the best? Ca- I think the worst case is you still get the production you had before. It's just coming through a different way. Right. It's not an every down back thing. Um, So it's just the bigger pie. Um, As far as uh, the receivers go, man, what's not, you know, we did have Dallas Goddard get injured last week, you know, with a concussion. So he left the game. We'll have to keep an eye on him. But his utilization has continued to look great. You know, it was just an injury thing. Um, So he'll be fine. And what we like is it has really condensed around just Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard over the past several games. And what's been nice, Ian, is even though we're not getting all that passing volume we were before, like we're just seeing more efficiency out of the offense. So it's just really creating, you know, a different way that defenses are having to start thinking about the Eagles. But if you look at Devonta Smith, man, Um, he's really kind of turned into a target funnel, 38% and 27% of the targets over the last two games. So that underlying wide receiver two utilization has really been there all year. It's just been, now he's kind of starting to blossom and bloom. He has struggled, you know, surprisingly, and I actually went back and started watching these just because it kind of was throwing me off, but against press man, single coverage early in the season, he had only been open like 23% of the time. But what we've seen over these last couple of games, he's actually been improving. And last week, man, he really overcame those demons. Because if you look at Sunday, he had four looks like that. Three of them he got open, four receptions, 66 yards, and two touchdowns. So even the one that he didn't get open, his quarterback didn't care and still got him <laughs> the ball. So that was really good to see that from Devonta Smith. And that's really what we expect from Smith, right? He, he's he's a good technician. He knows how to get a release off press on the line of scrimmage you know he's a separator in the way that he runs his route so it also could just be he and Hertz are getting into more of a to me when i look at devonta smith he's a timing receiver right you want to you know he's going to be coming out of his break you know he's going to create separation at the top of his route you want to get the ball out and have it to him it's not really hey i want to sit back here forever and be thinking about it a long time and try to throw it to him like once i see he's open like he can do that but really the strength of devonta smith's game is really the things that we're seeing them try to use him to do over these past couple of weeks so i think that that's very encouraging and if you look at um you know uh you know smith on the week this week i've got him just outside my top 24 ian i've got him at 26 so got him really you know in that high-end wide receiver three range um and then as far as the backs man i've got them all kind of mixed together in my fifth tier if they're all going to be active i'm going to try to avoid them Um, unless we get more news or information telling us really what we think the pecking order is going to be and then we may fight we'll obviously fine-tune the ranks you know as we go
0: Bengals at the Raiders. We got Cincy now as a one-point favorite. Actually opened with the Raiders as four-and-a-half point faves. Game total resting at 49-and-a-half. So mentioned this before. uh, I forget what matchup we were talking about, but oh yeah, if the Bears were going to embrace cover zero or not, even, even though we know that that's one of the things Lamar Jackson has really struggled with. Raiders did not change their philosophy to go try to do what Mahomes had been struggling with and accordingly got absolutely torched. So the Raiders run more cover three than any other defense in the nfl it's not even close like it was over i think a 100 coverage snap difference between them and the second place team the seattle seahawks so joe burrow this year against cover three Third in PFF passing grade, 12th in big time throw rate, and fourth in yards per attempt at 9.1. Giddy up Jamar Chase and giddy up T. Higgins because, Dwayne, in games with T. Higgins and Jamar Chase, Higgins, not Chase, actually leads the way in targets. It's 57 versus 56, but that's kind of what we were expecting out of this offense, at least after we got a good wind of just how good Chase is, is that they are at the top. Unfortunately, Tyler Boyd, distant third at just 35. He's the odd man out. You know, it was a situation where I think we could have hope to see? 1A, 1B, 1C? No, it's 1A, Jamar Chase, but I think it's still 1A, 1B between him and Higgins. It's not as 1, 2, 3, and I'm throwing a lot of numbers around there, everyone. As uh, it might have looked like when Jamar Chase was just going off in the earlier parts of the season, we got to remember a lot of that was with Higgins' sideline. So, I'm not saying Higgins is going to outperform Chase or anything. If you look at the air yards that were going along with those targets, Chase is the number one guy in Cincinnati, but I continue to think that the T. Higgins' tree- true breakout, comeback season, whatever you want to call it. It's more of a matter of when, not if. So in this spot, you know, he's wide receiver 22 and expected points per game, only wide receiver three. And realized, I do think we could see Higgins start to get back on that regression train in the right direction. So start Chase, start Higgins. Boyd, I think if you're in a pinch, you can treat him as kind of like an upside wide receiver four at this point. And of course, our guy, Joe Mixon, RB8 and PPR points per game. PFL's fourth highest graded running back as a rusher on the season. I get it. We got Samaje P. Ryan, potentially more Chris Evans stealing away a little bit of work. But we are still seeing Mixon. I think almost in a similar manner as like Jonathan Taylor. They like throwing him the ball, even if he's not their explicit pass down, third down, back at all uh, at all, you know, situations of every single game. So no, Mixon. I, I do
1: think that one's harder to trust just because they have so many weapons to feed, unlike Taylor. Like Taylor, like you could argue, like. He's the second best person to throw to on the team. But for Mixon, he's probably more like fourth
0: right and look taylor's a top three fantasy back i think Mixon's like a borderline rb1 at this point so i'm not trying to put them next to each other by any stretch but when we see the p ryan and potential for chris evans to get more involved uh, i would just say that again this isn't a situation where i think it's quite as dreadful um as you can make it out to be last three full games that Mixon has had six targets five targets and five targets so i know when we have some of this stuff where it's a little bit less sticky than two minute but we have seen him have it was going to last Last week, I believe he was uh, like tied for 11th in first read targets among the running backs. Not the craziest stat, I get it, but we have seen them at least make an effort to get Mixon the ball one way or another, and hopefully he'll, he could be back to actually having a role a little bit closer to what he had in weeks one through four compared to weeks six through nine. Obviously, he was playing really banged up after suffering. I believe it was that knee injury uh, three weeks or four weeks into the year. Could have been an ankle as well. So Joe Mixon, continue to get him in those starting lineups. Could be a sneaky big day for Joe burrow obviously feeling great about jamar chase and don't be shocked if t higgins starts to get back on track as well and then with cj uzoma i usually kind of put him towards the bottom of that kind of borderline tight m1 tier that we always talk about Dwayne he's out there all the time the problem is that there's a lot of mouse to feed there and he is usually at the bottom of that pecking order so unless he's converting uh you know one of his three or four targets into a score you're probably not gonna be super happy with the product now with the raiders Mention this, man. It has been rough over these last two weeks without Henry Ruggs. I know we saw Deshaun Jackson get in there, make a big catch. wasn't exactly sure what to do once he caught the ball, but maybe he can help provide that lid lifting presence for the offense in the future. We're gonna need it because whatever they've been doing over the past two weeks has not been working.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, if you're in a super deep format and like Jackson's available, like I'm, I'm trying to get in with just a little bit of fab this week. And the reason why, like these other receivers just can't, they're not doing it in. Like, they're not able to win outside. When you look at Brian Edwards, you know, um, you know in his single-man press coverage this year, not good. If you look at him just in single-man alone, like he's only getting open 28% of the time. That's well below the league averages. And look, it's just something we've seen when you watch Edwards. Like he's not a great separator. And Derek Carr, let's be honest, it could be a fit thing. It may not all be on Brian Edwards. Derek Carr is not really someone that wants to throw a bunch of contested balls, right? He prefers to throw to the player that's open. And that's fine. Like that's Derek Carr's thing. That's that's like what he feels good doing. Um, and I just think Deshaun Jackson, of all the receivers on the roster, other than Hunter Renfro, who gets to work underneath from the slot is the guy that probably could give him you know, some of that mojo as far as actually creating separation down the field. He did not get to play enough last week, only 12% of the snaps, um, but he was targeted on 20% of the routes that he ran, and I do expect that that will grow. I don't think that Deshaun Jackson is ever going to be a 90% route player on this team, but I think he could get to 60 to 70% and really be the main target when he's on the field in situations where you know, they're trying to stretch it. Um, So we'll see what happens with Jackson now. He could also immediately get an abdominal strain and be done for the season. And then he was back. Thanks, Dwayne. That's why I'm not telling you like go spend spend like a lot, but one or 2% if you've got a spot on your roster that you can just churn there's a player that you don't really care about sitting there. Um, and you can just move on next week if we don't see him get a little bit more work. But it, this is more about an indictment on the other receivers. It's, it's less about Jackson at this point in his career and just like looking at the rest of the team. And they need something, and They need something. Teams are doubling up on Waller now. He's seeing help and a lot of coverage. Waller's utilization is great. Routes 90%, 86% over the last two weeks. Targets per route run 26%, 17%. Target shares 25%, 19%. Like, heck, like this is this is one of the few tight ends that nearly leads his team He actually does lead his team in air yards now that Ruggs is off of the team. End zone targets 32%. He's the guy they look to on third and fourth down. Darren Waller's getting everything. It's just been a little bit of a struggle because teams are really focused on trying to take him away. So they need something else. And I think Jackson is the player that could potentially give you that. As far as Derek Carr this week, I do have him right now. Right. Just outside my top 12, you guys have already heard me talk about this a couple times on the show. There's some players that I'm playing around with, including Justin Fields, Kirk Cousins. But I think Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, Justin Fields all kind of belong right there in that tier, probably for me together. I do think that there's a sneaky chance that this is a shootout game. We know the Bengals can get things going on offense. Um, and Derek Carr, like really, whenever you look at him, even, you know, we, once we've lost Henry Ruggs, like he still hasn't been terrible. He's just one of those. He is truly what I call like that high end two quarterback that gives you, you know, a weekly quarterback. He could give you a spike week, right? He comes up with some of these big plays. He's a very accurate passer and so when you look at him over the last few weeks, he's finished as quarterback 14, 18 and then 8. He started off the season much hotter, you know, Ian and I were pretty high on. He was 9, 8 and 11, hit a rough patch there, right, where he was 24 and 31, but then 12, 14, 18 and 8. So, he can still get it done. I think this is a potential spot where you get a shootout. Um, it's, 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 it's tough because we don't really love the receiving options, but that kind of takes me back to the thing with Deshaun Jackson, as far as the ground game, um, with Josh Jacobs, I've got him ranked this week in right at running back 21 right now. So in that tier four, um, that we talked about earlier, right around Michael Carter, Corderell Patterson, Antonio Gibson, got all of those guys right there together, could see Alex Collins sneak in just behind them if we get another week with Chris Carson out. You know because we didn't see you know uh, we didn't see Penny last week. You know for the Seahawks, so that's where I'm at on Jacobs. Got a pretty good matchup. Running back strength of schedule is a 7.3 out of a 10, and so that's six best on the slate this week. Um, got a above average offensive line run blocking advantage this week as well. And obviously, whenever we talk about the Bengals, we're giving up 28.6 PPR points per game. Two backs. Now we know Jacobs will share the backfield, but what was encouraging is so over these last couple of weeks, he has been out there in a little bit more routes. They're throwing the ball a little bit more on the early downs. Kenyon Drake is still coming out and getting the long down and distance um, work, two minute offense. And then Jalen Richard, he's also working in. Jalen Richard's kind of like this fly that's flying around right now. And I don't want to slam anything really loudly in because I know like when you bang the table, like, you know, we've had some complaints that we may cause an auto accident. So I don't I don't want to do the fly swatter really loud. But that's basically, you know, that's Jalen Richard. Like he's just the fly that's annoying everybody. He's doing just enough to make it kind of a, you know, still a little bit from Jacob, still a bit from Ken, Kenyon Drake. But I will say with Drake, like his, his role is more back to what it was early in the season. We got to a point there where it's like, what the heck? Like, what are we doing with Kenya Drake? We can just drop him. At this point, I do think he is more in that. Think of him as a passing down back, right? You get in the right kind of script. You can get a little bit out of Drake. The problem is it's kind of a tight needle to thread because they could also want to end that scenario, which he gets the most value out of. He kind of gets capped because Jalen Rashard does get used a little bit more. But Richard's usage has come down, so I feel a little bit better about Drake. I'll have him in my tier five, so he'll probably be like around running back 40. Uh, I don't even have a number next to him yet. I haven't gotten <laughs> that far down my list. Not going to use any of these receivers this week. Jackson's just a really just a wait and see thing, um, folks. Waller is Waller. I've, I already kind of highlighted what's going on with him and why he's having some of the challenges, but the utilization is still elite, and you just have to depend. You just have to lean into it. Like you don't get tied in as they get to run as many routes, they get as many targets as Darren Waller. It's eventually going to come through for you. You know, a lot of I, I've I've had multiple uh, tweets to me. You know, because I had the Darren Waller buy low a few weeks back what the F is going on with Darren Waller? <laughs> so, you know, look, he got hurt, guys. Like, he came back week nine, and he gave, he, he gave you a four spot. Yeah, I get it. This last week, he gave you a 20. So there are struggles. But, man, I'm just telling you, like, I'm. it's hard for me to name many tight ends despite all this that I'm starting over Darren Waller. I can name for you Travis Kelsey, maybe Kyle Pitts. But even then, like right now, I have Waller ranked second in my ranks for the week. Ahead of George Kittle, ahead of Mark
0: Andrews, then I got Pitts, then I got Gasecki. After that, right now, I mean, Waller caught a ten-yard touchdown last week. Unfortunately, yep. there was a holding penalty that had to nullify it. So, with you, hundred percent, except for the fly thing, I, I can't relate. You know, I, I don't like to brag that much on here, but I really am one of the best fly swatters in the entire world, and they just don't really come and you around never my noise with it? anymore. Oh yeah, I am, dude. You give me that. It's one shot, one kill with me. It only takes one. It it, it just well, it only takes me one shot, but it's going to be really loud. I mean, you <laughs> know, it's I, <laughs> you I can't just relate. a random. Okay, cool. So, so sorry, got, got man. Got green live from from Hard. It's here. <laughs> McFarlane problems, man. I don't know. I don't see the flies anymore. I'm not, I don't know if they talk to each other or what, but uh, they, they know if they come through, you know, maybe it's because after I, I, usually, after I kill a fly, I like to let it kind of sit there for a while. Let the other flies know what's going to happen if, uh, if you roll through. So just something to keep in Good mind. Good strategy. Uh, I'll use that. I, yeah, you know, I like to just have dead flies laying around on my desk. Yeah, so we'll have the answer uh, to why this podcast went well over two hours. Oh, you know, we, we had to get through our fly swatting uh, discussion <laughs> amongst other incredibly important topics. Cowboys at the Chiefs, Kansas City, two-and-a-half point favorite, open at seven-and-a-half, public quickly just decided that was ridiculous. Game total is at 56. Dak Prescott has been lethal this year when throwing the ball in more than two-and-a-half seconds. You cannot give this guy time fourth highest PFF passing grade, number one QB rating, second most passing touchdowns, number four in yards per attempt. It adds up, Dwayne, I love when metrics do this. You know, everyone talks about analytics. Oh, this one's bad because of this or that. How about when something you find matches what you see on the film? Can't give Dak too much time. Receiver's too good. Dak's too good. Line's too good. I love it. Makes sense. And Kansas City, don't look now, might actually be equipped to preventing what the Cowboys do best, and that is giving Dak all, all sorts of time. Number 6 in quick pressure rate this year that's defined as getting pressure in fewer than 2.5 seconds. That's usually that threshold we're using based on the average release point. So if Tyron Smith who has missed these last two weeks with the ankle injury is not in the picture keep an eye on how quickly Dak is forced to get rid of that ball again. This Cowboys offense looks and I think is the best unit in the league when they're at full health when we have seen them have some problems. It's been because Dak I think a little bit too worried about when that pressure is going to get there. So something to keep an eye out on that that maybe it's Zeke week because that can another be another way to slow down that pass rush as we know Chiefs bottom six and PFF team rushing grade yards before contact per attempt yards per carry period this is just truly a bad run defense so I think Zeke Pollard to a lesser extent I mean I, Pollard has these good weeks now and then but ultimately you look at his finishes over the course of the year far more outside the top 30 than inside the top 30 so Pollard I think he is a solid mid low end RB3 Zeke we're continuing to fire up in inside our top 12 weekly running backs. They've always been playing a little bit banged up, but I think the overall lack of touches last week, more so just a result of them blowing the hell out of the Falcons and not really needing to force the issue. And we're feeling amazing about CeeDee Lamb and good about Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. So wouldn't, you know, be... Cooper does this. He has a couple, quote-unquote, down weeks, and we only need to go back three weeks ago to find the last time he had over 100 in a tutty. So, like what we saw out of Gallup last week, Dwayne, we talked about Dalton Schultz quite a bit on the review pod, so I'll kind of save most of that. But basically, when Gallup is back, we see Schultz take a true backseat and be this offense as number four at best pass game option. So, I really think he, like I start, let's, let's think, Dwayne, Dan Arnold, like we're starting him ahead of Dalton Schultz, right?
1: uh yeah dawson it's, knox yeah yeah that's the tier that's that's where we put him yeah dawson knox arnold um, he's Vult. in that
0: tier now he used to be a couple spots ahead that. of that tier and now he's not we yanked it away sorry dalton but that's just you know that's life in the it's big Four more mouths to
1: feed man his targets per route run have really come down the other thing is you know he's getting a little more attention right from defenses too yeah. so that happens
0: Now, with the Chiefs, Dwayne, it looks like Clyde Edwards-Alaire will be back in action. Andy Reid said he's hopeful that he will be suiting up this Sunday. I would really like to take a Philly look at this situation, if possible, where let it play out, let's see what happens, and then we'll get back to maybe starting a guy in the next week. Because Dwayne, I mean, before Clyde got hurt, we talked about how his expected points really were terrible. This guy has 10 targets all season long. Daryl Williams had 9 targets on Sunday night, so maybe they completely changed the way they're featuring him but for right now i wouldn't be shocked if daryl maybe doesn't lead the way but continues to be annoyingly involved enough particularly in the past game to basically render each guy almost like in the denver bronco rb3 category
1: yeah so i would i approach Clyde over to lara kind of the same way we talked about with miles sanders and here's why um Totally could happen, right? What you just talked about, but it's not like it's not like Clyde was really doing a lot before, so his price tag isn't going to be super high. Obviously, if you've got a fantasy manager that's held on this long, right, and they're just ready to get him back in the lineup, but I promise you, right now they're not that ready to get him back in the lineup. They don't trust him. My, you know, would be my guess. Because I I know it would be tough for me to trust him, especially if we didn't dig into all the things that we dig into here. But I think the potential upside for Clyde Edwards-Alaire is is the fact that, you know, the Chiefs have figured out, and we saw that this last week, that they have to continue. They got to check the ball down. They got to make defenses eventually take that away. If you looked at it last week, actually, I wrote this down for some research I was doing earlier, and I didn't even put it in the utilization report. But if you looked at the way the Chiefs attacked, you know, uh, you know, the Raiders' defense and what they did and, and the types they Are you of just flipping over
0: in. pages? You yeah. handwrite notes.
1: Yeah, I do have some handwritten notes. That, that is then such I, a
0: waste of time, Dwayne. How are you ever going to look? You can control F a word doc and find it in five seconds. Yeah, it's okay. Two seconds.
1: It's okay. Like for certain things, like when I'm an ultimate and I got to write it down and look at it, like I like to like chart it out. Type and, it. No, yeah. dude. Hey, I learned my way. Come on, Ian. Like I want to make this is. I'm through.
0: trying to get Dwayne more family time for Mrs. <laughs> McFarlane and your road show. <laughs> hey, dude, most driving, of everything I'm writing down notes is screwing that the up. Most,
1: the, most everything I have is automated, but I still like to have my notepad. It's my comfort area. It's like where I scratch my stuff out. But
0: you're gonna you're gonna apologize to me in like 12 months and tell me that you've changed it. But I'm sorry for cutting you off. Please continue. Uh, it's okay. Don't worry about it.
1: Uh, but <laughs> cover one. You know, cover zero. All of those things increased as the game went on. Like if you looked at the game early on, and the amount of quarters coverage, you know, that they were seeing the cover six. All of these, you know, really, hey, trying to take the big throws and everything away from the Chiefs' offense. In the first quarter, it was twenty-two percent, you know, quarters, fifteen percent cover six. By the time you got to the third, to the fourth quarter, right, and all these checkdowns and things were happening, that number was down to fourteen percent and six and a half percent. So slowly through the game, you saw this deterioration of all these, you know, everybody playing deep against Mahomes. So I think they're trying to obviously offset the fact that using too high and all these different looks, nobody wants to let them do that. So it's Andy Reid's really trying to program it into Mahomes: look, you got to take these checkdowns, and so. Kind of where I'm going with this is if Edwards Lair does take back over the lead role, right? He could obviously he could all of a sudden be in the role that we all thought would make him valuable as a fantasy asset, and that is the receiving game. And we have seen him do that before. We have not seen it be super consistent, so it could be a situation like you're talking about, where it's really just more of a rotation, and they could continue to, you know, just you know take away from each other, and they're neither backs that we want to use. But I would still put you know my chip on the player with the draft capital you know, he's just got to stay healthy. So he's a player that I think you can buy low, right? And it's a situation where it could really improve like over the next several weeks. But the key is you don't have to pay a lot, right? To get Clyde Edwards-Alaire. If it's somebody who still values Clyde Edwards-Alaire like the the mid-second round pick they made, you know, back in August, well, fine. You're just, you're not going to get Clyde Edwards-Alaire from them, right? You're not going to be able to, you're not going to be willing to pay that price to make the deal. But if it's someone that's more realistic, more clear-eyed, and maybe you can find a situation where you've got a strength that they need, um, you know, that you want the running back depth, then Edwards-Alaire is a player that I would look at trying to stash Just because of this is the adaptation that we're seeing from their offense. And if you look at the last three weeks, Darrell Williams' target shares: 15%, 11%, 20% routes, 67%, 40%, 55%. So Everett Zeller is perfectly capable of playing that role as well. Not saying he will, but there is that opportunity. And with the shift we've seen in this offense, because that's really been the problem, Ian. It was like, okay, it's a pass-first offense. You get some early down work okay well what does that equal you're hoping for 10 carries well now if all of a sudden the backs are involved in the passing game because they need a third option outside of, of travis kelsey and out of tyreek hill to really make this whole thing work and to really get those those defenses to really start to come up you know into the box to give you the shots later in the game that you can hit for the big plays then Mahomes. we know that's really all Mahomes wants is to set those things up for later in the game and so i think there could be some upside with clyde Edwards Lair if that happens your point though it could just be a complete you know our running back by So don't overpay. Very similar to what we talked about with Miles. I like
0: buying low on him. I I like everything you said. I just don't want to start him this week. Let's find out. Agree with that. Don't want to start him.
1: Going bigger strategy picture, you know, than just the start sit question. But yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. So as far as like where I've got him in the ranks, I do have him just slightly above Daryl Williams, but I don't think it's a situation where you know you come back in week one um, and they're going to really give Clyde Edwards the full load. I've got him in my my fourth tier. So I've got him down there by like um, Gibson, Alex Collins, and Collins is assuming Chris Carson's out right now, Devonta Freeman, JD McKissick, all those guys. And then I've okay, got like just a tier below, I've got Daryl Williams down there next to Mark Ingram. Ramondre Stevenson, Dearness Johnson, that group, right? So you've got another back coming back for most of those. Maybe they continue to get a little bit more work. So we'll have to see. And we'll have to monitor this. We'll, we'll see how healthy is Clyde edwards It could be something where these two guys flip-flop by the time we get to the end of the week. Either way, I don't like it, Ian, if they're going to both be <laughs> active in this first game. I'd, I'd rather just kind of sit back and see what we have. That's the way I'd like to approach it. As far as Tyree Kill, um, Travis Kelsey, you guys know their stunts. You don't even need me to really tell you that. So you're going to use them. Um, Hill's Hill doesn't really matter what his matchup is. You really don't care. You just throw your hands up. It's it's going to be a shootout game. You got a total of fifty six implied points, twenty nine point two five. Like you're just gonna you're just gonna run with it. Kelsey obviously fits into the same part of that conversation. I have Patrick Mahomes as my QB three on the week. I have Dak Prescott as my five. So I love both.
0: Cardinals at the Seahawks actually open Seattle minus three and a half. That's flipped all the way to Arizona minus two and a half game total at 49 and a half. Top two running backs, they are tied. Most fantasy points above expectation. Jonathan Taylor and James freaking Connor. The guy has been great with his opportunities all year long. This is not a situation where Chase Edmonds managers can even really complain because Connor has just been that good with his opportunities. He will continue to be a locked in RB one for however long Edmonds is sidelined with this ankle injury. But like even before Edmonds was out, man, Connor's been a top 24 RB in six of the last eight games that he has been out there. So, absolutely crushing it, and now the floor is just higher than ever. I mean, the fact that Connor didn't bust last week when the Cardinals couldn't even, I think, climb to 200 total yards of offense tells you all you need to know. Throwing the Seahawks being the league's second worst defense in PPR points per game allowed the position, and you don't need me to tell you to start James Connor in fan slams of all shapes and sizes. Elsewhere, man, it's just rough because this offense is really a shell of itself without Kylo Murray. It seemed like he's getting closer to come back. He practiced last Friday was a game time decision, but Cliff Kingsbury again kind of declined to truly just say like hey Kyler is gonna be out there and I believe as I pulled up I believe their buy is actually next week so it really could be until week 13 that we see Kyler, that we see Hopkins back in action. Yeah, their bye is in week 12. So something to keep in mind with that. Because this offense without Kyler, man, it just becomes like the complete horizontal rate. This is no no air yards going on with Cole McCoy. 5.9-yard average target depth. The only guy more throwing the ball on a lower target depth. Andy freaking Dalton this year. So Kyla Murray is at 8.4, which ranks 18th out of 43 qualified quarterbacks. So AJ Green, we have seen when they don't have DeAndre Hopkins on the outside, Green just cannot separate, cannot get open on his own. And when he is now relied on as the lead outside guy, he can't make that happen. Christian Kirk can make it happen, but it's just not that great that he's not getting the same sort of fantasy friendly targets that I think he was seeing with Kyla Murray. Rondale Moore, last week just 33 percent of the snaps and you might say well Ian that's because he was coming back from a concussion and neck injury and it was a game time decision then what's he out there to begin with man it's not not an ankle it's your neck or it's your brain let's not go and put this guy out there for a limited amount of snaps and say oh we're trying to keep him healthy if you're truly worried about his neck and brain he shouldn't be out there in the first place but certainly can't play Rondale right now so James Conner starting with all the confidence in the world Christian Kirk I think deserves upside wide receiver three treatment Otherwise, I am good with this offense, assuming Kyler and Hopkins are going to be out. Dwayne, Russ came back next week. Last week was not cooking, and it was unfortunate, man. Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, number one and number two on the week in unrealized air yards. I admit that Russ did not look good. I mean, we could say that he is coming back, you know, too early. Maybe he's not the same guy. At the same time, we can't really sit here and say we're, we're benching Metcalf and Lockett.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I think you hit the perfect, you know, um, note with just talking about their their unrealized air yards. You know, I've got DK Metcalf as my wide receiver 9 this week. I really don't care. I've got Lockett mm. as my 20. Look, these guys both carry boom bust every week, but you know the booms are really big. And so you can't try to pick weeks that you're going to use or not use them. Obviously, with Metcalf, you're never going to do that. I know we have some folks that I get a lot of star set questions with Tyler Lockett's name in them. You know, that, so it's just it's a normal thing. So I've got Metcalf at 9. Tyler Lockett at 20 right now. You know, I put Tyler Lockett, you know, in that range. You know, I've got him below Brandon Cooks. But I got him right there with Mike Williams because that's kind of where we are with Mike Williams right now. Um, You know, and I've got him ahead of, you know, like a Michael Pittman by just a little bit, a little bit ahead of a Jalen Waddle. Like, I wouldn't argue if you wanted to start those two players over Tyler Lockett. Like, you know, they're good in their own right. All in the same tier. But I still, the bottom line is like Tyler Lockett can't be probably much further than like your wide receiver 24. He still should be in most starting lineups. Because, believe me, you don't want to be the dude that's got Tyler Lockett on the bench whenever whenever he does his 120 yards and three touchdowns thing. Like, you know, you drafted him or you put him on the squad. Like, you need to have him out there unless you're just in a, you know, a shallow format where you got a lot of other options. Russell Wilson I got at QB 11 for the week. It's a bit of a tough matchup this week against Arizona. Uh, It'd also be better if we did think it was going to be more of a shootout with a healthy Kyler. We may not get that. So, this could be one of those games where it just kind of grinds to a halt. That's been the thing with the Seahawks, Ian, is we just don't get enough volume and it just continues to show through. Like, Shane Waldron was like the offensive coordinator I was the most excited about this offseason been a complete bummer who knows how much of his fault it is it's probably Pete Carroll you know really in his ear driving a lot of these things but like this is this is like a 1990s offense like that's what we're back to with the Seahawks it's it's like Pete Carroll's just like reliving the good old days you know what things were like in the 90s but I mean it's like if you look at their first down run rate like they're in the bottom five you look at how much they run the ball inside the five they're in the top five so it's just it's a situation where they want to run the ball they don't even really have good running backs Um, you know, they want to slow the game down. They want to do all these things that like seem very, you know, and it's not like Seattle's really built to do this stuff. And this isn't, this isn't, that's what's interesting to me with Pete Carroll. Like, does he think that he has the same off? Does he think he has the same team that he had 10 years ago? Right. When he was winning Super Bowls, you know, whenever or whenever he did win a Super Bowl, and he had a good team every single year. Right. He doesn't have the Legion of Boom. He doesn't have all those things that really enabled stylistically a lot of, uh, you know, the way he wanted to coach for those things to play out. So it is what it is, though, right now. So I, I will say with Alex Collins last week, we had Rashad Penny out of the mix and it was really just him and Travis Homer. And Collins handled 91% of the rushing attempts. The way the game went, it didn't work out that 91% equaled a lot because they were getting smoked the whole time. But that is a positive development for him. So, if for some reason we do have Chris Carson out again, I think we can depend on Alex Collins a little more than what we were going into the bye week. I'm going to put him, you know, fringe low end RB2. You know, Ian, I know you've got low end RB2, you know, that market's cornered. So, fringe low end RB2 is where I would put Alex Collins. Um, this week. And then Gerald Everett, you know, we talked about him on the way to our show, so I won't cover too much. But basically, look, he's taking that job over. They need a third option um, to really get things going to help loosen up coverage for the other two players. So he will be a mid range tight end two this week. But if he hits, he gives you that low end, you know, tight
0: end one, mid range tight end one upside. Got some barks out of PFF Lily and Django the Chuini there. So never know, Dwayne. Gerald Everett week. Crazier things have happened. Real quick on the Russell Wilson thing, I read a really good article from Steven Ruiz, always doing awesome work at the ringer. I know he's pals with Seth Kalina and our two high uh, crew at PFF, but basically um, Steven was breaking down just the difference with Russell Wilson, kind of why the marriage hasn't worked with Shane Waldron, and the big thing is that the offense Waldron wants to run is ideally supposed to consist of a lot of in-breaking routes, a lot of throws over the middle of the field, and that is where Russ historically just has not been down to target players, and you can say it's because he's shorter, lacks the confidence to throw these you know, timing throws in the tight windows. Whatever it is, he just hasn't been throwing consistently over the middle. So we've seen them almost abandon that idea here in recent weeks and just get back to the same offense they've been running for the better part of the last 10 years. So obviously easier to replace a play caller than it is to replace a franchise quarterback like Russ. You kind of wish they could have found a happier marriage though, because here we are and they are coming off scoring exactly zero points. So make sure you go check out that. Again, great article by Mr. Ruiz over at the ringer.com. Final two games, everyone. We got the Steelers at the Chargers. LAC sitting as six point favorites, opened as two and a half point favorites. Game total at 47. A lot of COVID stuff going on here. Obviously, Big Ben on the Steelers side of the ball. But now we also got Joey Bosa and Jerry Tillery potentially out for this week on the Chargers defensive line. So obviously, it would make things even easier for Najee Harris. This year, nobody has had a higher average depth of tackle than the Chargers, 4.68 yards on average behind the line of scrimmage. Which they are making that tackle. So with Najee, the usage is literally as good as anyone could hope for. He is averaging 22.5 expected PPR points per game. The only marks higher than that over the past three years were 2019 and 2020 Christian McCaffrey. I understand Najee does not have the same sort of efficiency. He's not as good as Christian McCaffrey, but we're still seeing a top five, top six running back because volume means that much in fantasy land. Obviously, no Joey Bosa. That's going to be huge for the Steelers attempt to establish that old run also got a look at Deontay Johnson I'm not going to take away too much from the targets last week of Mason Rudolph under center Deontay did still see 13 of them working as the number one guy the three wide receivers set with Claypool out of the picture, Deontay, James Washington, and Ray-Ray McLeod also have Pratt, Pat Friermuth. Unfortunately, though, only 62% snaps. Ebron didn't come back into his normal role, but they also kept Zach Gentry also you know heavily involved because, of course, you got to do that. So with Friermuth, he still had nine targets, but I'm wondering how much of that was Mason Rudolph throwing the ball 50 times and how much of that was Friermuth still being a featured guy in the pass game. So I'm not worried about the fumble at the end of the game. I'm not worried about Fryermith. you know, not having the talent to like make the most out of it we're just looking at that opportunity Dwayne and that at tight end we got to hit certain numbers and he is at risk of not hitting those as long as Ebron is going to be active so Fryermuth I think If you want to be kind, you can put him in that Dan Arnold kind of that tight end one borderline tier we've talked about several times already. I might even put him one spot below that because, again, we just want a guy that's going to be out there for every single snap. And that's not frying with right now with Eric Ebron back in action. So Deontay is the one that we keep saying it every week, hoping that he's going to really blow up. And he hasn't. And it doesn't really like it's not like he's killing us, man. He's still putting up big time numbers going into last week. He was a wide receiver 11 in PPR points per game as i pull up what he actually finished last week what was he yeah he was a wide receiver 12 last week and it felt like it was a disappointment so that's just a deontay johnson experience but we're getting so many damn receptions that it doesn't matter if he's going to drop a ball here fumble a ball ball there so chargers yes they're much worse against the run than they are in the past but we've also seen justin jefferson and Devonte smith show over the past two weeks that this is a secondary that can be had as well so Banged up, I think Deontay Johnson, you know, Dwayne, like you talked about seeing Tyler Lockett and a bunch of start sick questions. I see Deontay in those as well. And it's like, no, you start Deontay every single week, no matter what, continue to do so. Same thing with Najee. And that's all I got for the Steelers. Dwayne, let's talk some Chargers, because I know it's been rough for our guy, Mike Williams. I would invite everyone to go check out PFF's own Seth Galina's piece on PFF.com, talking about this offense and the problems that they've had, largely because Lombardi, their offensive coordinator, is essentially asking Justin Herbert, who has truly one of the strongest arms in the entire league, to run an offense more set for 40-year-old Jubries.
1: Yeah, so... When I look at it, yeah, I've seen some of the same things with Herbert. Like, we've seen a lot of the targets, you know, going underneath. I don't know how much of that has been coverage-driven because early in the season they were hitting, you know, more of the big plays. So I would be – and that's probably in the article. I'll have to go check it out. But yeah, as far as, you know, looking at these guys from a fantasy perspective, Austin Eckler, like, you know, I don't really need to talk a lot about it. It's not a great matchup against the Steelers, but what does Austin Eckler get that negates really any sort of matchup that we worry about? He gets a lot of receiving opportunities, so he's going to be fine. But if you look at him over the last few weeks, he has been a little down yet. It makes you wonder, like, is Eckler dealing with an injury? But he's had finishes of 30, then he popped up to a 3 25 and 19, or maybe we just got spoiled early in the season when we got a 6, 8, 3, and a 1 all in a row. But Austin Eckler is still you know, in my top five backs for the week. I've got him actually ranked at number five. And then if you look at Keenan Allen, wow. Like Keenan Allen is like, <laughs> remember, remember when everyone was worried about Keenan Allen? You know, Ian, and and they're like all oh the no, way it's two it's weeks all, ago. It's all Mike Williams. It's all Mike Williams. No, it's not. Thirty three percent, thirty five percent, thirty five percent. What are those? Those are the target shares for Keenan Allen over the last three games. Guys, completely dominating. Gets to work inside. Gets the good matchups. One of the best route runners in the league. Seventy five percent open rate against single-man coverage. Like, that's freaking ridiculous. Don't even try mm-hmm. to do that with Keenan Allen. Like, come on, defensive coordinators. What are you doing? He's just got to be sitting there thinking. It's almost like that. It's like that Peyton Manning, you know, whenever Gruden ran the all-out blitz. You got that old video. Are you serious, man? Are you serious? Like, <laughs> oh, you just tried that against me? Like, that has to be what Keenan Allen's thinking every week. As far as Mike Williams, actually, I've got homework in. I'm going to go watch, like, every route from Mike Williams over the past few weeks versus what he looked like early in the season. Because, like, the underlying data... You know, I'm hearing some people say, oh, he's just hurt. He's just hurt. But when we look at the underlyings, like he's still he's getting open, like he's doing things like that. You wouldn't think like a non-healthy player. He may not be 100 percent, but we have people play less than 100 percent all the time in the league. I still lean to the fact that, you know, we've got a passing offense with a good young quarterback. They throw it in every single scenario. Mike Williams is probably going to be okay. Now, like I do have a little bit of a doubt because Mike Williams is a player that historically, until this season, we have seen him be an underperformer. Or it could just be the injury. So, I'm going to try and take a closer look. I don't know though, Dwayne, because...
0: We've yeah, always ahead, seen yeah. him overperform relative to the targets he gets. This is a guy with a thousand-yard year, with an eleven-touchdown year, that's true. and he never had more than ninety targets before. So even if he is, I'm honestly surprised that he's still separating well. He's never been a big-time separator. What he is is a six-foot-four, two hundred twenty-five-pound monster with top-five draft capital. That's largely dominated when given ample target opportunities, but when he's had what sixteen total targets over his past three games and you look at his last big blow-up game where he had like 15 targets alone in that one I just don't think the opportunities are there and I think it goes down to the offense not even taking the shots downfield and being too content to dink and dunk it with Eckler and Keenan up and down the field
1: but to be fair his big production early in the season didn't come off of shots downfield either they really came you know more underneath but like I mean I'm a the mindset that targets are earned, right? So a target itself like is valuable in a way. Not all targets are the same, right? I'm talking receivers working down the field, having to get open against, you know, multiple defenders and coverage, things like that. And so Williams is, you're right, like historically, even this season, like his, his open rate against single man coverage has only been like 30%. But Mike Williams is one of those players you talk about, like, well, is, you know, what is open, right, you know, for him. Um, So it's not so low that it's terrible. But this last week, it did kind of surprise me because he was actually, you know, he beat single man coverage 60% of the time. And it was actually a pretty big sample size. That was 15 routes. And he only saw five targets. So it does make me, it's like, like, what is going on? Why are they not targeting him? If he is getting open, even if he's not, like to your point, he's the kind of guy you can throw open. They were using him more in the short and intermediate passing game early this season. So it wasn't like he had to just be a deep field stretcher to really get his points. But I've got him at um, wide receiver 21 this week. You know, it's not the greatest matchup whenever you look at it against the Steelers. Um, So it's like bottom five from a wide receiver strength of schedule. But again, like this is an offense that we like. This is an offense that we want to be in on. So it's not something I'm going to let scare me too much. Keenan Allen, I've got at wide receiver seven on the week. You guys heard the target share. There's really nothing else you need to hear. You need to hear about Keenan Allen. Like the dude just gets open and Justin Herbert is in love with Keenan Allen right now. And I've got Herbert at
0: number eight on the week. PFF Lily got restless. She is now joining the final (laughs) Game of the pod Monday night football giants at Buccaneers, Tampa Bay sitting as 11 point favorites game total at 49 and a half. Guess who's back. Saquon is back now. Has not Was not the best performance from Saquon as a rusher early on in the year. I brought up that stat about carries with at least two yards after contact. He is dead last in a 51 running back sample. But that really has been the Saquon experience, you know. You look at his stats, and he's got 15 carries for 20 yards. You look in the third quarter, and then you look in the fourth quarter, and he ripped off a 70-yard touchdown. So either way, Dwayne, the usage was there, which is what we are chasing. 80% snap rates in three of the first four games, basically after getting, you know, just cautiously brought back into action. The first week of the year, he was back to his usual business, and he turned in RB9 and RB2 performances on 22 and 18 touches in his last two fully healthy games. So, we know he's got the receiving uh, chops, and it's honestly, might not be this defense that we need to overly fear, as long as Vita Vea is going to be sidelined with that knee injury. Cannot overstate how important he is to what Tampa Bay does in the middle of their defense. So, you take away Vita, you give Saquon 20-plus touches, he's should be in the overwhelming majority of fancy lineups. Maybe Booker keeps things a little more split than usual for the first week back, but I don't know, man. Being able to come... Off that bye week, I do think we're going to see Saquon back to his usual three-down roll. I'd be hard-pressed to find too many lineups where you should not be starting him here, despite, again, a perceived, a tough matchup. But once you take Vita Vey out of it, it really does become a lot more manageable. With the wide receivers, I hope it's Kadarius Tony. You hope it's Kadarius Toney. Does Jason K- Garrett care? I don't know. Seventh in yards per route run in an 182-player sample. The only guys more efficient on a per-route basis— Debo Samuel, Cordero Patterson, Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams, Antonio Brown, and Jamar Chase. So because of this, Tony is tied for 99th, which is 34 targets on the season. Come on, Garrett. You had the bye week. Go get one of your best players of football. Because before the bye, Colin Johnson had 38% of the snaps. Tony Slayton and Kenny Galladay, 55% each. So Sterling Shepard was working off the side in Monday's practice with a quad issue. It's looking like he might still be a week or two away. So, Dwayne, I'm hopeful Tony gets the targets he deserves. Will he actually get them? I don't know. So, until we see some sign that he's going to get featured, I'd be hard pressed to rank him higher than, you know, in that maybe 28 to 35 range interested in your tony thoughts and saquon and then give me some tip and base stuff but I, I realize that at this point pretty easy to you know just read at least yeah. what's, what's yeah. going I on yeah i struggle to even get
1: tony that high unless we do know shepherd's going to be out right if shepherd's yeah. going to be out then i think if shepherd's probably... in. no
0: then we cannot get him that high absolutely
1: right. so with and and so we'll have to wait and see but i think yeah if shepherd's out you know he's somewhere in that range i i prefer putting him more you know towards the low end right of the wide receiver threes you know for the week But if we get something with Shepard's out, he can jump up a little bit. If Shepard plays, like right now, I've got Tony down, you know, like my wide receiver, 45-ish. He's right around there. So he's like around a lot of guys that have talent, right? Elijah Moore, Kadarius, Tony, um, you know, Michael Gallup. But, you know, they're sharing. They're sharing this workload. So that's just, you know, these are players we know can all get it done. We'd like to see them get more work. You know, Bateman, Ayuk, all in the same tier. So it's kind of that same mold. Um, as far as the Bucks go, yeah, there's really not a ton to hit here. We know Tom Brady had a bad week last week. Guess what? You don't care. I don't care. He has a great matchup this week against the Giants. Um, I expect him to completely shred them. They are favorites, but it doesn't matter. They're 11 points favorite because Brady throws the ball in every single situation well above the league average. If he's trailing, doesn't care. If it's a close game, doesn't care. If he's leading, does not care. Pedal to the freaking medal. Brady's going for all the records. Does not care about anyone else except... TV 12 and getting his team you know back to the Super Bowl so I expect to see that be the same I do like Leonard fournette this week though Ian um, you know what I liked about fournette last week is they gave the long down and distance and the two-minute offense back to Gio Bernard, but kind of like, it's almost like an under-the-table handshake. Hey, we're going to do this to you, Lenny, but guess what? We're going to use a little bit more in passing work on first and second down, and we're only going to give Rojo one snap. So it's actually going to be okay. You're still going to get your works. So you don't to freak out, take your helmet off, like try to bash it across someone's head like you did a few years ago, and you ruined Dwayne's DFS slate. that was going to be perfectness. <laughs> don't worry about that. Don't worry about that Dwayne McFarlane guy. He's just negative, you know, trying to bring you down in your life. We got you for so got him at number 11 right now and Mike Evans number 11 receiver that's just a coincidence and number 14 right now is Chris Godwin on the week if we do get Antonio Brown back which we don't know yet it really sounds like we may not again it's just he's just starting off the week is questionable we'll have to wait and get more information if we do when once we do eventually get Antonio Brown to, you know back then we have to drop these receivers down a little bit. As long as he is out, right? They're borderline wide receiver one, right there, high-end wide receiver twos every week. Once you get Brown back, you're gonna. Move, I have to bump these two down more like mid-wide receiver two, low-end wide receiver two, and Antonio Brown really becomes like a high-end wide receiver three as soon as he returns. We'll also have to wait and see what's going to happen with Gronkowski. You know, we did get him back. You know, uh, before the bye, he was only able to play a few snaps before he hurt his back. Then last week, we had him out again, starting off the week as questionable. For now, I don't have him in the ranks. Um... Cameron Braight did play like 80% of the routes last week. So he could be a sneaky low end, tight end streamer, but it's hard to trust. Like we kind of saw that early in the season, we got it. We're like, oh, we could use Brait. And then like all of a sudden he'd be down at fifty or forty percent of the routes. So not a player that we can really just wrap our arms around and like fully embrace, but something we'll keep an eye on as the week goes and we figure out what's gonna happen with these injuries.
0: Yeah, I mean, that Fournette, I mean, for him to finish. RB14 against a studly defensive line that we knew was going to make run the ball tough. And then for the Buccaneers to fall behind as much as they did, like that's worst case scenario for Fournette, And he finished as the RB14 goes to show you what his new role was like in 2021 where Rojo's a non-factor and Giovanni Bernard really isn't stealing anywhere near as much target share as a lot of us maybe thought he would back in August. People hope you enjoyed this Special 2 hours and 30 minutes edition of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. We are going with special, and uh, we have another special deal. You can get 25% off any PFF subscription if you use code FANTASY. Look at that transition, Dwayne. That's why they pay me the medium bucks. Grades and data are alive for every single player who logged a snap last week. Go check out the highest graded players from Week 10. Dwayne's utilization report, my wide receiver, cornerback, breakdowns, running back, breakdowns, all of our locked article content can be yours with a PFF subscription. Again, use promo code FANTASY for 25% off that sub. All the rankings Dwayne and I mentioned throughout here will be updated throughout the week, as will they for the rest of our FANTASY crew. Also, everyone, Manscaped just launched new products, including their all-new Ultra Premium body wash and a 2-in-1 shampoo and conditioner. It's time to give yourself or someone who needs it to get the beautiful skin, hair, and balls this holiday season. Go to Manscaped and use code PFF for 25% off, plus free shipping, again, 20% off, and free shipping with the code PFF at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com, and use promo code PFF. And also, football fans, who's ready to score some free bets? Now you can when you bet on any NFL game this week with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers who bet just $1 on either team to score can win $100 in free bets. When a team scores, you score. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF. Bet $1 on either team to score and win $100 in free bets. Day score you score promo code pff this week at jacking sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nfl must be 21 or older new jersey indiana pennsylvania new customers only minimum five dollar deposit one dollar wager one per customer restrictions apply see jackings.com sportsbook details Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER that's gonna wrap up this special edition of the pff fantasy football podcast dwayne anything else that you want to get off your chest that you haven't had a chance to already no, I don't, I don't think I have any more words left, Ian. <laughs> <left yet. laughs> Do you? <laughs> no, and I'm sorry, YouTubers. I know I've been blowing my nose and coughing this whole damn podcast. Still, you know, hurt, hurt not injured. Still work my way back up to 100%, but I know that's probably annoying to uh, look at. So hopefully the voice isn't pissing off too many people. But if it is, you know, you can just blame your life problems on me. That's fine. I got a thick skin. So for Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thank you guys always for tuning in. Until next time, take care, everybody.